Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really, quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbuster. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that's interested in making sure we resolve the most critical of debates in the Ghostbusters fan community, such as whether or not the Cheetos and Slimer's Trap are flaming hot or original. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, aka Vink Maniac on the internet, and joining me as co-host for this episode and sitting in for the entire time we're going to be here and talk about Ghostbusters and obviously a trailer is, of course, the venerable, the awesome Jason Fitzsimmons of Ghostbusters News. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and I- I'm going to vote Flaming Hot. I think you're probably right about that. I-, I kind of think it's probably Flaming Hot, too. Look, if they didn't make a good promo out of this, like if Frito-Lay didn't make Flaming Hot Cheetos that are going to have Slimer on the bag that I can buy in March, something's wrong. <laughs> like, that to oh, me is... Absolutely. It should be a given. Those are not cheese doodles. Those are very clearly, like, Cheetos. And, the, and not, brand. like, the big poofy kind, you know? They're... And- very and can I say that. just how much joy seeing Slimer just hit with his lips encrusted in Cheeto dust, how just beyond happy it made me. <laughs> it's the little things in life you got to find joy in. Yeah, I mean, I said this when I, we saw the uh, reveal of him uh, in the Empire Magazine stuff a few weeks ago that I was really excited that he was back and that I was really interested. And we're going to talk about this today. I mean, like, look, straight up, if you are a fan of Extraplasm podcast, but you live in a the bubble of trying to be spoiler free, like turn this episode off and run away. Download it first so I can get the metrics. Help me out. Mm. I'm kidding. Uh, leave a positive review and then don't listen. <laughs> but like, I think that, you know, I want to be clear. Jason and I are going to talk a lot about Ghostbusters, Rose and Empire and everything that's come out in this most recent trailer in this episode. We're going to do a quick rundown of the headlines and stuff uh, so we know what's going on with the news of the week. But a lot of this episode is going to be us digging into the particulars of that trailer. Um, and I think that You've probably done enough watching and recapping that we'll kind of just do this more freeform rather than being like, let's go beat by beat on the trailer, because um, I think that's been done. So, but does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Okay, cool. Uh, so, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, you know, obviously, it's always great to have you on the podcast, and you've obviously have had your logo frozen over, and all kinds of things have happened to you. Yes. So, since you've started being impacted by the uh, death chill up there in Canada, are you okay? I, I'm doing fine. And you know what? That's kind of funny. Uh, Sony, Sony Pictures, they they kind of extended the olive branch a bit to uh, a number of different fan pages and official pages and such. And they were like, you know, we're going to freeze. We're going to freeze your, your social media page. Can I just tell you how frightened I was when I got a message from Sony Pictures saying, can we freeze your social media account? <laughs> Being a fan page, I mean, that kind of frightened me. I, I like, what, 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 what do you want to do with it? Like, for, for this, this isn't good. No, 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 no. They had to explain it to me. You're like, how is that different from removing my Facebook page? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys helped me get it back, and now you're gonna like freeze it. What? What? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, you, you build me up just to like knock me down. Come on. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's cold outside. I mean, it would have been kind of nice to actually had frozen empire you know released back in december with all this crazy coldness that we've been experiencing over the past month but um gives us something to look forward to uh in march there yeah i i got asked recently you know how come your logo didn't get frozen over and i said because my podcast is the one that's here to save the others 
Hey, <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, but at the same time too, maybe, it, maybe it's a blessing. I mean, with all the, uh, you know, Facebook pages and everything kind of going down there, maybe it's algorithm based and Facebook's just taking a look at the logos and they're going to see tons of pages that are frozen. And then, well, rather than freezing, they're just, they're just going to delete all these pages, which would be horrible. <laughs> it's just horrible. It, it uh, is weird, right? Like in the weeks before the logos got frozen over, you know, like yours is frozen over. I think YHS has theirs frozen over. Mm-hmm. I, um, this maybe GB fans like that, like the, as the logos got frozen over, I thought it was funny because in the weeks before everybody who was getting their pages pulled were people who had made their own frozen over logos. And I was like, <laughs> wait, this seems like it's could be the kind of thing where like Skynet goes off the rails, um, <laughs> next week and just, it's all they're systematic. all invalid. <laughs> But uh, no, I do want to, uh, if anyone from Sony is listening, I, I do want to thank them though. It's a kind of a cool thing to kind of be involved in and uh, just to kind of play a very, very small hand when it comes to the hype surrounding the trailers. Uh, I was going to say trailer, but trailers uh, when it comes to Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Yeah, um, I think it's great that, you know, there's that sort of connection happening between uh, Ghost Core and different you know fan groups and different fan publications and things that are happening out there, um, you know, and I think it's cool um not to be make a really terrible pun because we're talking about frozen over logos but i am totally stoked about these trailers and i want to talk about them for sure so we should do that in a moment but before we do we should get through just i mean you're here you're the newsman so we should really talk about a few um ghostbusters headlines still making headlines all across the country the ghostbusters are at it again today the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity all in topic today ghosts and ghostbusting extraplasm read all about it ghostbusters headlines coming at you uh so first up in ghostbusters headlines like we won't put any of the trailer stuff in here right because we're going to talk no. about that in depth everyone yeah. so like we won't be like there was a trailer and this is how it came out as a news item, because we're going to talk about that. And you know that you're listening to this podcast. You obviously know there's a trailer out or otherwise you wouldn't be here. The couple pieces of news that we should talk about since last time uh, we had a podcast issue number three uh, of back in town, the Ghostbusters Dark Horse Comics four issue miniseries that's going to be coming out uh, has had its cover revealed, which is pretty cool. So if you haven't already pre-ordered that, that is going to be arriving on May 29th because there's going to be one of those each month, like beginning March, April, May, June. Right. And that'll be done by July. So uh, issue three is now available for pre-order and you can talk to your local comic book store about grabbing that. The synopsis for issue three says that as tensions rise in the city and the Spengler family, Phoebe discovers the entity targeting the Ghostbusters, the malevolent Madame Malveaux, which I'm like, oh, there's French people who are involved in this. I wonder if they're Canadian. It's, it's your fault, Jason. It's your people <laughs> but, uh, on her own and outmatched. Phoebe escapes through the sewers and stumbles into supernatural standup. Follow the Ghostbusters official return to New York City with the third installment of this all new series. Ghostbusters back in town features a script by David Boer, art by Blue Delaquanti and colors by Mildred Lewis. Uh, so I think this is kind of funny. Like Phoebe's going to be running around in the sewers. She doesn't run into the Ninja Turtle. She's going to run into like the ghost of Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's like an endless supply of actual comedians that are dead. And you're like the ghost of Jerry Seinfeld. I know who's alive. I mean, you mean Rodney Dangerfield, Sam Kennison. Uh, I mean, the, the list goes on. It's George Carlin running an open mic. That's really Hey, that's good. I don't know if she's old enough to get into a George Carlin show. <laughs> He's like, How, do you, are you old enough to be here? And she's like, uh, 
I'm 16. They're supposed to do I'm 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that we haven't actually seen like the the interior of any of these pages, like these comics yet. But I, I yeah. love the covers. The one with Phoebe on it's great. There's also the other, the standard cover, which has a big pigeon in it, which is really making me hope that... Uh, I don't know, they'll throw like a Home Alone 2 reference in there. The pigeon lady will just like freak out as like whenever pigeons becomes a big, massive, horrifying ghost that's trying to destroy New York City. Um, but again, little things that, that that make me happy just thinking about that. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched for this. It's a very high bar, though, for them to to hit. The fact that issue one doesn't arrive until end of March um, and they're going to be going I mean, not up against IDW because, I mean, that's been long gone, but Sure. Uh, for them to live up to, you know, Dan Schoening and Eric Burnham and, and so on and so forth, Louis Delgado, uh, the talent behind that comic. Um, yeah, they I, I'm really hoping they hit this one out of the park. Yeah, I, I mean, I am, too. I what I've said this, that like I thought that there would be more than just kind of like a limited miniseries when they announced what was going on with these comics, uh, you know, off at what was that Ecto Fest, whatever it was yeah. that we were yeah. at and talking about what would be coming and sort of in sequence together when they announced the video game stuff and the movie and all, you know, all that stuff together kind of, and as a loose cannon. And I think it's kind of uh, interesting that they are, have these four books planned out and I want to see more of them. Like I want to see these four books do well so that that way they decide to do another four. Um, yeah. I, I've never been admittedly like the biggest fan of um, reading comics from week to week or month to month. Like I'll go out and get a graphic novel though and pick it up and burn through it. And so I would love to see like enough dark horse stories to fill like a good compendium that then you mm-hmm. could buy and put on a bookshelf and be like, cool, I've got all these stories together. Um, but we'll see. I really wanted to do well for that reason, but also because it would be great to hear stories. And I got to say, like, I really want to know what jokes Phoebe's going to tell in this comic book. Like yeah. they have one of the covers has her on stage, like about to tell jokes. And I'm like, well, we already know that she's tried to make friends by telling jokes from afterlife. So what? what really bad dad jokes are coming next. <laughs> it's, it's also great too. Cause the fact that uh, both Gil, uh, Gil Cannon and uh, Jason Reitman, I mean, they had a hand in this four issue comic series, you know, they yeah. uh, kind of gave their input. So the fact that she is, is on stage uh, would tell me that in frozen empire, she has not lost any of her comedic timing. Uh, so, right. and, and to me, that was one of the best parts of afterlife is those horrible jokes. You know, the ham- hamster and the cigarette one was just <laughs> highbrow. Loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I have said that since I saw the movie that one of my favorite things about that movie is the terrible jokes that she tells, you know, um, they're just kind of fun and goofy and they're like kid jokes that you feel like would come off the inside of like a Bazooka Joe mm-hmm. package or something. I mean, it'll be very interesting to see how that comic book plays out. And I really hope that we get to see more than just those four mini series issues of it. We'll see, though. Uh, beyond that, the other things we should talk about that are not trailer related and we should touch on. There is a charity auction that's happening. If you want to get a Ghostbusters Frozen Empire poster, there's a charity auction that is going to benefit uh, is it St. Jude's Children's Hospital, right? Yes, um, their research uh, hospital. Yeah, so that is something that you can hop on board and grab that is essentially a poster that's signed by all of the cast of Frozen Empire. It is an 11 by 17 mini poster. This is very cool, but I'm going to say this and I'm going to be kind of dumb about it. My Patton Oswald looks better than this. <laughs> I'm honestly, I saw it and I was like, my Patton's better than that one. <laughs> well, I got to admit, I'm, I'm quite surprised. Like, I, well, I shouldn't be surprised because it, it does come straight from Ghost Core, like Eric Reich, you know, the man behind Ghost Core, the magic man, if it was, 
uh, he was the one that uh, kind of, I, I believe, put this whole thing together. Yeah. Um, and it's just cool the fact that it's not like it's the majority of the cast. Like, it's the entire yeah. cast. Aside from, like, outside of, like, going to, like, William Atherton, when you're talking about the core Ghostbusters in this film, you're talking about, like, the R&D research facility. It's all of those. Like, it, it's a crazy amount of people that have signed this. And uh, already, like price wise, like this thing is going through the roof. Uh, still, like 13, 12, 12 or thirteen days left. Uh, it's going to be a huge success. Yeah, at the time that we're talking, uh, the you know the estimate on this, I believe, was fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. through Charity Buzz, and the current bid is twenty five hundred dollars with nineteen bids. So yeah, uh, you know, I I'm kind of being funny about this, but like our friend Tom over at the containment unit, Tom Henry. I uh, just had a successful trip finally to go get a Bill Murray autograph. He went all the way to Texas to Bill Murray's event that he was doing there. And this is not his first time trying to go to one of Bill Murray's events to get Bill to sign something Ghostbuster oriented. And he's had an experience in the past where he couldn't get it done. And mm. he finally got it done. It's taken Tom several trips on several planes to go to several events that cost a lot of money to be able to get time with Bill Murray. So you might be thinking like, wow, $2,500 is a lot to bid on this, right? But <laughs> just the bill murray alone <laughs> it probably gives you some value but like you have a paul rudd on here it's not an yeah. easy thing to go get you know dan's getting much harder to get and getting them all together is super difficult like i'm joking about this Patton oswald thing but like i have the same poster and yeah. i had Patton sign it and then i sent it off to the containment unit because they will see mckenna and finn this mm-hmm. coming month so they'll add that to my poster but if i want to get the rest of these I'll be chasing everyone until you, yeah, I, mean, you'll be I probably won't get and, it done. And the fact too, you got to think about this and I don't want to get like crazy dark here, but this is a, uh, I mean, it's 2024. It says right on the poster. It's a brand new poster. Right. It's for, for a frozen empire. I mean, you have the cast to run around and do it yourself. Not only are you going to like blow a ton of time and money, but the odds of getting everyone because some of the cast, you know, they're getting a little up there. Like you may not see, like you may not necessarily see Dan Aykroyd. You may not have a choice to, or an opportunity to get Dan Aykroyd's signature right. in the next couple of years, you know, maybe five yep. years. Who knows what can happen between now and then, right? Like there's yep. a lot of unknown. Um, so the fact that to get everyone's signature on this at one time, uh, it is a collector's dream. It's a holy grail piece for collectors. And especially if you're an autograph collector, I mean, there is so many big coups here just in one shot. Yeah. And I think it's funny too, that it comes with a certificate of authenticity that is signed by Eric Reich. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like is it beckett certified is it jsa no it's no, no. eric reich certified yeah that's good <laughs> that's good enough for me well, let me tell I you i mean i'd be fine with it <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah that's it's a really cool thing uh i don't know who's gonna win it but whoever it is is probably gonna have a lot of money uh so but it's all going to a great cause it's going to help saint mm-hmm. jude children's research hospital so if this is like one of your holy grails is to get all the people from this movie on one poster uh, strike while the iron is hot and go and grab it. Uh, I don't know when this closes 12 days, right? So this is going to end on February 12th. So I just said, mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's right on the screen in front of me. So, uh, February 12th, 12 days, 17 hours, 18 minutes from the time we're recording, which means less than that for you as you're listening at home. That is how time works. Yes. <laughs> yes. And if you're listening like two months in the future, cause you're one of the folks who listens to Extraplasm and slow burns it. I'm sorry you missed out. Okay. So uh, moving out of discussing the charity options of going out and winning, you know, an expensive auction, which one person will get to do and no one else will, because that's how auctions work. 
There are some other things to know about in terms of merchandise and uh, things coming up that are entertaining in Ghostbusters world. Uh, Trick or Treat Studios, we had talked last week and you covered this on Ghostbusters News, uh, mm-hmm. has the license for a whole bunch of you know great new stuff. The thing I had not yet talked about was that they apparently have wrapping paper, yeah. which I think is like, I know this is going to sound stupid, but I'm so excited about that. Like there I've had to make Ghostbusters wrapping paper. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never want to do it again. I, I, I have to be able to buy a wrapping paper that is Ghostbusters oh, wrapping great. paper would be great. But having to make Ghostbusters wrapping paper is a pain in the ass. And I'm sure like these guys, like they deal mainly in like horror licenses and stuff like this. I mean, these guys got to be making a killing like the hardcore fan base out there for things like Texas Chainsaw and Killer Clowns and stuff like that. Like, I'm sure there's people out there that they buy like a massive amount of rolls in one go. And I know I'm totally going to do that with Ghostbusters. And it's so weird too, like to... <laughs> To just sit back and think, like, am I actually going to buy wrapping paper to collect? And damn it, probably all three of them. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Um, And also at the same time, too, like I'm thinking to myself, like if I wrap gifts with this for somebody else and I give them the gift and they just tear into it. They just shred it. They tear it apart. (laughs) I'm going to hate that person. I'm going to. Yeah. Next year, they're not getting just nothing for me. Just. Just nothing at all. But no, in all honesty, it's so cool. And uh, I will let everyone know if any of my family is listening or if anyone out there is uh, planning to send me anything. Uh, all for like all future gifts must be wrapped in trick or treat wrapping paper. Got it. And your yeah. plan then is, of course, to, to slowly deconstruct it and unfold it and try to decrease it and save it in segments. So that way you can have an entire collection of it. Is that? Oh, yeah. A good strategy? All on the walls. All on the walls. <laughs> no, it, it's really cool, though. Uh, trick or treat. I mean, they are so far from what I think we've seen of them. Uh, I'm sure there's gonna be more stuff coming, but I think they're just going on all cylinders. They're hitting out of the park. Oh, the yeah. Masks look great. That Slimer looks incredible. Uh, I love the keychains they're doing, you know, the in-universe ones there with the Ecto-1 and the Sedgwick Hotel. I know some people were kind of like complaining like, oh, why does the Sedgwick Hotel have slime on it? Like that totally ruins it. No, it brings the casual fan in. It makes the casual <laughs> fan instantly realize, oh, this is where Slimer stays. This is the Sedgwick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it's called. I just know it. Know of it as a hotel. Um, so yeah, slime makes sense on that. I, I love everything they're doing. Of course, that 19 by 19 inch light up sign looks great. All the wall decor, that Slimer wall decor, my God. Yes. Uh, no, that yeah. light up wall decor looks really great. Oh. I, I don't, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. Maybe you know the answer to this question. Is the 19 by 19 inch sign double sided or is it just a one sided sign that goes on the wall? I don't, I don't think they've officially said anything yet. I don't, I don't know, to be honest. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we get an answer soon. Um, I mean, it, from what I saw, like presented at the, uh, that Las Vegas expo that they had, like they had to set up there. And you can see like around the sign, it was still white, uh, but the sign in New York and the sign of the movie, like it's black around the sign. Right. So I'm assuming it's still very much prototype right now because uh, I cannot see trick or treat making a no go sign and leaving the sides white, you know, like, yeah, maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe they'll do that and I'll hate it, but I don't <laughs> see it happening. I see them may releasing something that I love. Like I've got their toxic Avenger mask. I got some of their, uh, their other stuff out there. The Texas chainsaw. Um, yeah, I, I love the stuff they do and I'm really excited, uh, again here just for everything. And the fact that they're doing the gray lady, the library ghost, yeah, uh, she's finally getting her comeuppance when it comes to merchandise again. Uh, I'm, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to buy that mask. Even if I don't wear it, I'm just going to like put it in my house somewhere. 
and just have it as part of my display because it's crazy good and we've never really had you know a yeah. good uh a good rendition of that character that is kind of like a bust or anything you know and i think it'll look really cool like on a mannequin head or something that's just tucked away and maybe i don't know we'll figure something out this is all all products or projects in mind but not in practice yet <laughs> so and it's it's such a crazy contrast too because like last summer they showed off the metal signs of like the terror dog and or it was like spook central and i think the yeah. ghostbuster like firehouse and like it was kind of like and and i love trick-or-treat but seeing that first i was like oh that that's what you guys okay yeah it was a little lukewarm right it was yeah, like it was like, uh, like i don't really like a metal sign i don't need this right and now i'm all about it and seeing what else they release like i mean they've gotten into the prop game like you can buy a texas chainsaw massacre chainsaw that has the sounds and all everything like that and it, it looks great to the movie they're making like five inch scale action figures they're doing figures also like again tell me so many different licenses b movies and everything uh, i know hasbro is the master toy licensee but i'm kind of curious when it comes to different scales and sizes and such whether or not we can maybe see something from trick-or-treat down the road when it comes to ghostbusters yeah, yeah i'm i have to say i agree with you that uh when I saw those signs come out last year, I went, I don't know if I need like a no parking sign, right? Like for yeah. like Ecto one parking only or something along those lines. I just don't know that I needed that. And the, what they have on offer now is a lot more impressive and I'm sure they've had time to develop it. We probably got sort of like, Hey, here's some quick things we could release with the license and the time we have it at the yeah. end of Q4. Get, get it know. in time for Halloween, right? Like right. get it out in time for Halloween last year. Yeah, that, that, that's it. So I'm stoked about that stuff. It looks really great. And I'm definitely going to get wrapping paper because if nothing else, I just want to also be able to use it to like wrap up boxes and use them for like doing kitchen counter reviews and other things to be like, look, I've got like a Ghostbusters theme little pedestal or whatever, because then yeah. I can just and, wrap up cardboard boxes and use them that way. So, And I don't want to throw like any prices out there, um, but like so many people, they were like, oh, my God, like this go, talk about like the light up stuff, like the sign, the Slimer, the Terror Dog, the, the wall decor. There was quite a few people I saw. They were like, oh, my God, this is going to be so pricey. Trick or treat stuff typically isn't like it's yeah. good quality stuff that right. doesn't really break the bank. Yes, it does cost money. I mean, if you want something good, you're going to pay for it. But we're not talking like a Hollywood collect like a Hollywood collectibles group, Terror Dog Head right. or anything like that. When it comes to cost, you're not going to be paying a grand for this thing for, for these individual items. No. Um, so to me, that's that's really exciting that we can kind of get more of the casual fan in it. And at the same time too, seeing these slimers like at conventions, like this thing's, it's going to look so good. I, I, I want it now. I, I just really hope though they, I know they're not going to do it, but maybe release like an optional piece that you can put like in behind him coming in the wall. <laughs> so you just have like a big butt on the other on side. The other side of the wall. Oh yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Optional <laughs> upgrade for like an extra hundred bucks. Oh, oh, oh light up cheeks. Woo-hoo. That would be kind of funny if you had yeah. like adjoining rooms and on one side of the wall you had his his front and on the other side you had his How back. Cool. That would be With like funny. the dripping slime coming out of his yeah. butt. Oh my God. Hey, my they, if they don't do it cool. for your house, they at least need to make that for like the Wonderverse. That should be a thing that they totally put yeah. at the Wonderverse. Um, that's what I'm calling for. A uh, couple of things we haven't talked about yet. No one will get into the trailer stuff for sure. Uh, the Ecto-1 apparently uh, is expected to return to Universal Studios, as you've reported on. Uh, there was a CBS Fairmont, West Virginia affiliate on WTV who reported on the sale of, uh, I guess, an Ecto, not an Ecto-1, but a Cadillac that 
had been kind of like a sign for the five star auto car wash in, in West Virginia somewhere. And I guess someone bought that sign, yeah. bought the pieces of the car that were the sign. And it turned out it was Universal Studios. I had I had quite a few people message me and they were like, yeah, this this car was like a local legend. And it's like, oh, you guys don't have a lot going on in West Virginia, do you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. The funny thing is, actually, when I first wrote the article, I kind of screwed up. I wrote it was in Virginia and not West Virginia. And gotcha. I angered a lot of people. I yeah, had, that's a big I, difference for people. I woke up the is. next morning and people were like they were they were coming from my head. <laughs> But yeah, Universal, apparently they're, they've got this Cadillac now and it's not a Miller Meteor. Definitely a totally different style or a different model, but there are similarities when it comes to the Ecto, like the front grille, um, the side fin, stuff like that. Uh, and as I kind of like alluded to in the article, likely the one that we're going to see at Universal eventually, like it's going to be kind of like a, you know, a, a chop shop or chop shop. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, it's not legal. But they're going to Frankenstein it. It's, gonna be no, a Frankenstein. Now it's a Frankenstein, but now I like the idea that there's a chop shop that Universal, Universal Studios has a chop shop and praise and spray bay like I'm in Grand Theft Auto. Oh, and man. they're like, we got to just steal cars and cut them <laughs> apart and repaint them. And then we use them over at uh, Horror Nights or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to like Universal and like see the Ecto and like hop into it. Just, just jump into it Grand Theft Auto style and just drive around the whole park looking for that chop shop. <laughs> I gotta get my my my, my getaway. Make it black with like it. purple lights. Wanna, right, it'll be black or purple lights. Yeah, yeah I want I want Danny's original vision. But <laughs> uh, exciting. We don't really know for sure what is happening at Universal. Right. I mean, if you follow the online Universal groups, there's a lot of talk, and I mean, there's talks about parades. There's talks about uh, possible return with Halloween Horror Nights. It's all speculatory speculation at this point, but. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of people talking about Ghostbusters, and it seems like Ghostbusters, out of all the licenses, that's the one where people are like, "Yes, it's coming back. We just don't know how." Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a 40th anniversary year, so you mm-hmm. got to figure that folks who have connections with the franchise and have worked out those licenses are going to take advantage of them because this is the year to do it. I mean, it's just the big anniversary year. I'm curious if they do Halloween Horror Nights. So if they do a return for Ghostbusters. They've already done Ghostbusters, right? Like they did the first right. one. So I would assume they're going to go full on Frozen Empire. Like if they wind up doing something like I can't see them doing Ghostbusters 2, even though I would like live there if they had a like river of slime, I would just <laughs> there'd be like a week where Ghostbusters news would just go dark and I would just be chilling in that 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 Van Horn <laughs> sub like transit system. It, it wait in a like a lazy river, a oh, lazy yeah. river of slime with a tube. Yeah. <laughs> Give myself like a little raft there, you know? See, I was thinking more like it would be kind of like going to the Bahamas or going to Vegas and there's like a poolside bar, mm-hmm. but it's a poolside bar run by ghosts and you're in the slime river the entire time, like a pool. That would be an attraction that you could go to. It would be exciting. <laughs> I could, You know, if I was there long enough, I could become part of the attraction. <laughs> I could just be like, if there's like a big circle, I could just like loop around, you know? Yeah. And be like yeah. river of slime. You just wave. Uh, exactly showed up to it but like vote Lenny what's kind of fun to consider though is that even if it is Frozen Empire themed Mm -hmm. you'll probably still get elements of Ghostbusters too because like we're seeing from the trailer and we're seeing from other stuff that like things we know from Ghostbusters 2 totally exists in the Ghostbusters Frozen Empire you know universe so you oh man you know how cool it would be if they had like an R&D division and like yeah 
you could like just try stuff out. Like here's a slime blower and just, yeah, 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 ooh, yeah. That would be cool. I would also be totally fine with them deciding to bring some sort of like interactive ride for the long-term haul at universal parks, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to hang my hat on that happening. Uh, you know, I, I think that Sony is working on their own entertainment stuff like Wonderverse and figuring out how to bring entertainment yeah. experiences to different theme parks out in Europe and Japan and whatnot. But I'm, and so I'm not really sure this is going to mean anything bigger than potentially maybe like a, a horror nights thing, but we don't really know. We'll see. But it's yeah. kind of interesting to think about the idea that universal is at least, uh, you know, on the East coast, at least for the, for the park in Florida, because <laughs> you know, they've got a car that came from the East coast that they could probably just drive on down and start working on and do what they're going to do with for whatever they're going to do with it. So yeah, now we'll see if there's like a, a car wash somewhere in California that also has a Cadillac that they can buy for, <laughs> for Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, I don't know. I, I did not go to the last ghostbusters Halloween horror nights. So I was back what in 2019. Um, but I'll tell you if they, if they do do one for, the 40th like i am i'm so there uh i kicked myself for missing out on the last one and honestly i i'm looking for any any good or bad reason to go to universal love 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 it and the fact that uh it's the 40th anniversary like all i can think of now is the amount of merch that'll probably come along with that if they're doing something ghostbusters related there is so much exclusive merch at universal and yeah. yeah yeah just excited although i think i did hear that like they're going to be closing some of the like fan merch stores at universal. I think that's the thing I heard a few weeks ago. I might be wrong about, but I feel like I read that. So hmm. this is the part where I didn't prepare everybody. <laughs> because we were like, we're going to talk about the trailer. I'm like, wait, what about the universal fan store? I don't remember now. I recall but, back in actually 2019 when the ghostbusters had their first Halloween horror nights there. And I guess they're only thus far. Um, they had, uh, they were actually selling. What was it? The, the lacto cooler, like the, not official ecto cooler beer yes. of like another company. And I always thought that was so weird. The fact that you have the official ghostbusters license there, but at the same time you are selling this drink that is, you know, it's, it's not a bootleg in taste, but it's definitely a bootleg in name. Right. Yeah. i see. I was right about this. The universal legacy store closed effectively January 7th. So it doesn't mean like all merch at all parks are gone. The universal legacy store that existed there that had lots of props and models and things apparently uh closed up so if that was a thing you enjoyed it may not be a thing you'll enjoy later but that was apparently moved to make way for a new attraction maybe it'll be a ghostbusters experience <laughs> mm-hmm. it's raise a cult mm-hmm. you can go there you can go to universal you can bring objects that you think are haunted and you can it's sell actually them for $40. dan Ackward behind the behind behind the yeah. counter yeah. yeah you have to buy can- like a bottle of crystal head to enter Yes. And when you get in there, they're like, it's $40. And you're like, oh my God, it's got Dan's signature on it. And they go, 60. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, when you, you have to buy the crystal head and what he appraises actually is the bottle. Yeah. yeah not the vodka. Not yeah, just yeah. like just yeah. the bottle itself. It's like this or, glass bottle is amazing. You know what? Or maybe he, ju- he does. <laughs> he just drinks the bottle. Like everybody that comes in, he just gets loaded throughout the day and <laughs> that's it. That that's Dan at Universal. <laughs> that would be amazing um, and weird <laughs> for sure. 
The other merch thing we should talk about before we jump into the trailer is also kind of sort of an unknown, but something I think we're all starting to get excited about. Uh, the frozen drink maker, Icy, has well began, began promoting the trailer, which was weird because they were like, hi, we're a drink maker. Um, we sell frozen dessert drinks. And also here's the Ghostbusters trailer on our social media account on Instagram, which kind of got people's attention. Uh, yeah. But it seems that they did more than that. Like they basically rebranded their entire social media to be around Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, which seems to have implied that there's probably some sort of tie in there, right? Between Icy and Ghostbusters, which maybe they're going to make a drink called the Death Chill, but they won't be able to sell the kids because parents will be concerned. <laughs> I mean, this is weird. to do. This is quite backwards, you know, in yeah, what way? Like- in the respects of like, hey, we're going to promote this film. We have nothing to show you at the moment in terms of why we're promoting this film. <laughs> we're going to totally rebrand ourselves. All these icicles and coldness. So cold. Frozen Empire. But they're not going to reveal anything yet. Like you would assume that everything would kind of come in unison. Like maybe announce you're doing an icy yeah. cooler, icy garaka grapefruit, whatever you're going to release. Um, the day before, I mean, we're the yeah. day after and there's still no announcement. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an odd fit. It's, it's a really odd fit, but at the same time, their comment section is getting slaughtered by fans like, Hey, what's up? And all it's doing is building up hype. So maybe they got to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I remember the last movie, the sequencing was different in that we'd find out about things about the movie. We didn't want to know yet. <laughs> From the food marketing. And so we were like, oh, they're going to have to show us the mini puffs now because they're going to be on a cereal box. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like, oh, there's going to be an exclusive mini puff to Baskin Robbins and there's Baskin Robbins in the movie and a what was likely a reduced impact, uh, you know, tie in that didn't kind of come to fruition the way I think it was originally planned. So we got reveals of the movie by the food marketing. And it makes me wonder, like, was there this time around they were like you can be a brand partner but you're not going to get to show anything until we do because we know what it's like to be burned on this <laughs> i mean that that's a pretty good possibility um i'm just sitting here thinking to myself like because i know the the vast majority of people are like it's got to be ecto cooler you're going to do an ecto cooler icy like there, there can be nothing else but when it came to what was it 7-Eleven? They had their beverage. And what was it? It was like a, a watermelon apple. Yeah. You know? And like, that was weird. It was, it was yeah. just random Ghostbuster flavor. So while people are going nuts over it, again, I, I, it would not surprise me if Icy did Garaka Grapefruit or Pukey Peach or, <laughs> you know, just something out there that makes... For a lot of people, it's, it's not ecto cooler, and they're gonna be like, Arr. but at the same time, those people that are gonna, like, they're still gonna go to their wherever sells icy, and they're still gonna buy it. You know, like yeah, Ghostbuster fans are not that they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to try it at least. And the the most common person, like the most average Ghostbuster fan, they're like the the, the common fan. Uh, I shouldn't say average. The most common fan, they're just gonna <laughs> see the Ghostbusters logo, and they're like, hey, that's cool. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna drink that instead of this one that doesn't have the logo on it you know yeah like, I'm, just, I'm just gonna get this so i don't know i ecto cooler would be cool just for i think the the history of ecto cooler like to have it in another form uh as an icy that that'd be neat to actually have but um i would not be surprised if we get something different 
so there's a little bit of precedence here. Uh, when Nope came out, the movie that Jordan Peele did, mm-hmm. Icy had a tie-in. Mm-hmm. And for Nope, I think that like that tie-in was essentially uh, like cups, right? And maybe like a, a specific flavored drink, but it was largely, I think, cups in theaters at theaters yeah. that sold Icy. I want there to be like I and I'm like if you're listening out there resurrect ecto cooler like I, I, and this is a direct message to the fan account resurrect ecto cooler I know you've been pushing hard on trying to get icy to do the ecto cooler thing uh and that you I thought it was really funny I've seen this if, if folks haven't seen this go check out resurrect ecto cooler on Instagram and Twitter and resurrect ecto cooler had been sort of making an appeal to slurpee to 7-Eleven going like are you going to do an ecto cooler slurpee into a point where they came out and they were like no we're not and I thought it was so funny because at that point, Resurrect Ecto Cooler pivoted and like retweeted that rejection from Slurpee to Icy and was like, you want to make a drink? <laughs> and, and now like there's a drink coming. But I will be honest in saying that I don't think it's going to be Ecto Cooler themed. If it mm-hmm. is, the only way I could potentially see that happening is that Icy does have a relationship with Coca-Cola who owns High C. And that relationship appears like to be pretty established at Burger King stores in the U S cause they make a thing called an icy Coke float. But I think this is going to be more like available at theaters where icy is available. So like AMC theaters, I think carries icy. I don't know who else does, but, uh, I'm not really sure this is going to be, you know, an ecto cooler rollout necessarily. I think you're right. I think it could be something maybe not pukey peach. Cause I don't know how, I don't know how appetizing that is. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's going to be something else, you know, you're talking about like the tie in with Burger King. And I mean, they had, you know, burgers that turned your stuff different colors. And I mean, that wasn't a selling point, but everybody knew about it. Uh, you know what? The, the fact that you talked about Burger King and the possibility of icy there and having a ecto cooler icy. I, I'm just too excited to talk because I'm thinking about the fact that we could maybe get a tie in cheeseburger with a green bun and they've done that there i think I, right like that's, they, they so have they've done, done black that. bun I, burger I, for I, sure so they they had um it was the nightmare king which was uh, yeah. and i i hate the fact that i know that um but it, <laughs> i i had a lot of them um but it was a green bun it had uh, the, the, the the seeds on top and it was uh i think it was the whopper patty with cheese a chicken patty bacon and then you had some fixings on there like onions and such but um yeah, I mean, I, I'd be down for that. I know there was a lot of rumors that they may have done a uh, a Happy Meal, like a, I mean, Happy Meal toys that apparently did not come to fruition for whatever reason. Yeah. So um, I'd be down for some some Frozen Empire Burger King tie-ins. Yeah, I'm all I mean, about I, that life. I don't know that they're going to happen. I think it's, you know, again, I think it's more probable. That I mean, I see, I'm pretty sure you just you told know. me it's going to happen. <laughs> That's it. Unless it happens. When people don't freeze over my logo, I just make up things that are going to happen. No, I don't do that at all. <laughs> I don't have any responsibilities. Nobody controls me. I don't have release scheduled releases of things. <laughs> Try the new Slime Ball Burger. Available Burger King presented by Extra Plasm Podcast. <laughs> just for the record, uh, I don't think Burger King's making the Slime Ball Burger. I just, I just should just state that. Uh, yeah, there's no tie in there. Well, knowledge. they don't have licensing from Phantasm Toys. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's good. That's good. 
but I uh, I think that it'll be interesting to see what Icy does put out again. I think it'll be a thing at theaters, just like they kind of did. Nope. You know, the, the nope drink wasn't available mm-hmm. at Burger King. Right. So yeah. but if there is a shot at it, I think that that would be the, maybe the greatest shot you could potentially have of a Coca-Cola tie in. Right. Like I because it's got it. You have to have Coke on board if you're going to do Ecto Cooler. It's just the bottom line of how that works. So otherwise, you got to come up with some other Slimer themed drink. I, I don't think they do icy it in a theaters up here in Canada. So if that's the case, I'm going to cry in Canadian. <laughs> Does that sound different? There's a lot of A's. <laughs> this is horrible, horrible. And you know, what's the worst thing about this? When it came to those stupid Krispy Kreme donuts, I'm yeah. sitting here thinking, I'm thinking about all the stupid stuff that I've had shipped to me because I couldn't get it locally. Um, <laughs> You know, like paying God knows how much money for, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts to get them shipped and all this and, and other things. Um, I can't do that with an icy. No. The integrity. Yeah. Immediately begins to suffer. Like even if you, like, you, you can't do that. So no, what you're going to uh, need to have happen is like AMC. It appears is who has the relationship with icy as I'm looking at this. Like they have an entire website about their established relationship between AMC and IC together. Like, and they did the, so, they did the Ecto one afterlife popcorn bucket. Yeah. Um, they know the demand, but like straight up they have on the AMC theaters, movie merchandise website. I'm not even joking. You can go there and you can buy an icy machine <laughs> with cherry and blue raspberry syrup. That's insane. It's out of stock now, but at oh, one wow. point, the AMC movie merchandise website that sold the popcorn bucket was also selling for $149.99 your own icy machine with a unique, like, exclusive syrup. And they've apparently also done this for the Trolls movie that came out in November. So, like, this is an ongoing thing that Icy and AMC are doing together of let's release a drink for the movie and they've done it so many times that apparently AMC was selling icy machines for your house. So if they put them back on sale, we just got to buy you an icy machine. We got to get you some of the syrup and then you just roll your own. (laughs) Oh man. Can you imagine these poor AMC workers that are going to get hassled by Ghostbuster fans wanting syrup? (laughs) Jeez. You know, it's going to happen. Legions of them coming in wearing their red jackets. (laughs) demanding syrup so will we get ecto cooler probably not will we get some sort of um ghostbusters themed drink at amc theaters probably that's my guess i'm gonna go with that being all negative about ecto cooler we're good way negative yeah, visualize visualize it visualize it Are you i've visualizing been visualizing it? a 112 scale ecto one for years and it's not here <laughs> <laughs> how long did you visualize thing. ghostbusters three four yeah yeah i mean some things take longer to manifest than others <laughs> all right. in this case right. ecto cooler is going to take the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's the goal maybe you get old enough they bring it back and the sugar content just knocks you right out you just yeah. you're done you just woo yeah you, Go into a coma and they're like, what happened? He goes, hey, it went the way he wanted. They're going to have to figure out how to make that product with artificial sweeteners for all of us out there who are in our 40s and being told by our doctors to moderate our sugar intake. <laughs> all right. I think we covered the merch. 
So let's do this. Let's go now to discussing the Ghostbusters Frozen Empire trailers that came out this week. So the real reason we're here, even though we just spent all this time talking about all these little headlines, is, of course, there's a Ghostbusters trailer. In fact, there's two of them. And I have to ask you, like, were you surprised to see that there was like fundamentally two just straight up different trailers this time around? Yeah, I mean, it, it threw me for a loop because I'll be honest, what I usually do when it comes to any trailer releases, uh, when it comes to movies, video games, what have you there, um, sometimes I get privy to getting my hands on the trailer a little early so I can like get something ready and I can get it featured on the site. Other times I'm seeing it exactly when it goes live and I've got to like hustle. You know, I got to yeah. I gotta get that thing up ASAP. I usually have an article pre-written to some degree. Um, this one, And then the other thing I do too usually is a reaction video. Uh, I try and do something, you know, just to get my, my first initial thoughts on it. So I get the article ready, have it posted with the video and everything it's online. And then immediately I, I just get like, God, probably between all social media platforms, 50 messages from people being like, Hey, did you know there's another trailer? Do you know there's another trailer? <laughs> and I'm getting so many like links from like Sony pictures, Italy, Sony pictures, like India. Right. I don't know how many actual extra trailers there are. I'm watching like seven different accounts being like, okay, is this international trailer the same as this other international? Like right. I had so many people sending me things from different links. Um, so then what I realized was, oh my God, what did I just do? I just watched the trailers. Uh, so that kind of disqualified <laughs> me of doing my traditional kind of reaction thing. Right. Um, because I had to, I had to then cover both. But yeah, I mean, getting two totally separate trailers and not only separate trailers, like different trailers, but having them well, being just that different, like so different. One focusing more on story, one seem, seemingly more action based. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something that to me, like if you were like, hey, new Ghostbusters trailer in February, I would have gotten really excited for. And, and now you just gave me that February reveal in January. And... <laughs> <laughs> totally unexpected. It, I was really unexpected for me. I, I've talked about this. And for those who may have heard this, if you've heard it on strange glow video, I was on uh, their show talking about this on the night that the trailer came out. And so I don't mean to repeat myself, but not everybody who listens to extra plasm listens to that. So I'll kind of repeat this, but I made this stupid mistake that I thought that the trailer was dropping at nine o'clock in the morning. PST meaning noon oh, Eastern. Cause that's when all yeah. the other ones have dropped. Right. They were all like, oh, it'll drop at nine my time, but noon Eastern. So I was like, OK, cool. I'll get up in the morning and like check out what's going on. And then I'll be awake to watch the trailer with everybody. <laughs> so I woke up at like 845 had my <laughs> alarm set, figured I'd like have my morning breakfast and coffee and watch the trailer. And I woke up to an inbox full of messages. They were like, there's two trailers. I'm like, what? Well, how do you know this? This is how would you even know this is happening yet? <laughs> And then like I went to another group and it was like, oh, my God, the trailer. And I was like, did I oversleep? Like, did I set my alarm mm -hmm. wrong? Like, and that's when I realized that it had come out three hours earlier and I was just completely late to the, to the you know, to school. I was just like, OK, cool. So when I discovered there was two trailers, I was like, OK, well, now I'm behind the eight ball on both. <laughs> but yeah, out of the two, um, did you prefer one over the other? Um, I, I think I like the international more so. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think I'd have to go with that. Uh, but 
again, to me, they're they're quite a bit different in the respects. I do feel like one kind of gives you that story, the other kind of gives you the action. Right. Uh, not that not that both aren't action packed, uh, especially for a Ghostbusters movie. But um, yeah, I think maybe the international, but maybe at the same time, the international just strikes a chord with me just because it was a surprise. Like it feels like a gift, you know, it feels yeah. like, you know, I, I wasn't supposed to get this. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm still blown away by, by both overall. And yeah, um, really has, has made me think a lot more, not that I was thinking negative, but a lot more positive about the film. Um, I kind of said it in my breakdown, not my breakdown, but my eventual thoughts video that's up on the Ghostbusters news YouTube channel. I've had a little bit of concern when it comes to the juggling of so many characters, the originals, the afterlife mm-hmm. of the new guys. Um, from what I've seen, I, re- I like how they're kind of stationed. Like I can't really see, uh, you know, Patton, James and Kumel having that same size role. I mean, maybe, maybe James, uh, possibly, but at least from what I've seen, like in the trailer and everything, I don't think they'll eat as much screen time up as I thought they would. Yeah. And at the same time too, I feel like there, there's a really nice sense of that original Ghostbusters style mixed with something new mixed with like the chaos and the craziness of the real Ghostbusters that it just has this really nice kind of like vibe and feel to it that I really like. And I said it actually on this podcast many, many, many episodes ago that I kind of wish Ghostbusters would evolve. And I feel like that's exactly Mm -hmm. what we're getting with this movie. I feel like we're getting almost to that weird multiverse sense. I mean, it's weird because Ghostbusters isn't really a multiverse, but with everything that's on the go, and if this movie does well, I really feel that the the franchise can expand and just go into so many different like new territories, new areas, new locations, tell so many new stories. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pumped after seeing this thing. Both yeah, I I'm excited about the movie. I agree with you that I was kind of like and I've said this in different places over the last couple of weeks that like this is the biggest Ghostbusters movie we've seen with the biggest cast. So how mm-hmm. do you make sure that you give them all their due, you know? Um, you don't want to sort of like rush through these new characters and you also don't want to kind of leave the story of folks on the floor. Like to be real afterlife gave us how much time with our OG ghostbusters, like 10 minutes at most. And then we were left with questions like, how did they get there? (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) like did they fly? How did they all show up there and nobody noticed their arrival? Like, and so, and I'm not trying to be overly nitpicky. You know, but I, I've had that concern a little bit about will there be breathing space for all these characters? And I might have been a little cynical about that at points. And I think that coming out of the trailer, like my view at this point is maybe that this movie is big in terms of its Ghostbusters cast. But given how much of it was shot, uh, you know, in a soundstage mm-hmm. and fabricated environments rather than being in the actual experience of New York. Like maybe you just have a smaller cast because you have way fewer background actors, you know, like we, we think back to the first Ghostbusters movie and we're like, hey, it's the Harry Krishna guy. Hey, check it out. That's awesome. Hey, it's the <laughs> I like that shirt friend guy like that's there's all these different like sort of background character actors. And it makes me wonder if there's fewer of those people. And it's that we have people like Patton, people like Kumail who are going to serve a function in the narrative, but are not necessarily going to be like, you know, this plethora of people mm. who are all extras and background people. There will have to be because there'll be people running from ghosts and whatnot, you know, but it just makes me wonder how that's going to play out a little bit. You know, I, I definitely feel like we're going to see uh, not really um, uh, James because of, I mean, you, you see 
things in the trailer with him, you know, grabbing the the golden orb and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I could definitely see like Patton being kind of like that James Bond Q type where yeah. he's, here he is, you know, like this is him. They'll set up the character in one minute. He'll be doing something. He'll say something. And this, okay, I get this character. I understand this character. I know. And this is all I need to know. And then you see him a couple more times in the movie and that's it. I think he's going to be, be like an academic researcher. Yeah. Like we know he has a doctor cause his, his title is Dr. Hubert Wartsky. Right. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen him in and now several things, whether it was the photos from empire or this most recent trailers, like he is on the first trailer too. Like he was there in what they call the teaser trailer. It was just as long as these. So it may as well just be trailer one. Uh, you know, he's there explaining that part of that explanation of the death chill is him talking with Ray. Ray is providing the narrative, but then he's like, that's awesome. Right. Like, and so mm-hmm. I think that his role is going to be like a guy who doesn't do He's not like guy in the van, you know, like he's not going to be like a person who's on necessarily there for the bust, but he's there doing like the back end research as an academic researcher who looks at like different folklore and whatnot and potentially provides an expert opinion on those things like would make a lot of sense to me, you know, and then Kumail, I like my question for him is like, what's his motivation? Like I hadn't thought about this, mm-hmm. but when I was on Strange Glow last night, I have been thinking about Kumail simply as being like a guy who either inherits like he's a collector of sneakers it appears he looks like a sneakerhead based off of these little segments in the trailer so there's also this second collection where he's living which is all these gold objects one of which is yeah. this orb i was i've like if you had to give me one emotion i had about the trailer it was validated uh because of the number <laughs> of things i was right about and i was like look mm-hmm. i've said these things and in this case like he walks into raise a cult and is like are you the guy who's weird and buys strange objects or whatever it is that he says and so it's pretty sets up like he's the one bringing this object to the Ghostbusters and setting it up. And so I've thought about it as like he's just the flipping guy. He's like gotten a collection from somebody, whether he inherited it from somebody else. Yeah. Right. Like he lived in an apartment with an old person collecting his sneakers and they passed on. And so now he's like, I can sell off all these objects because eventually they're going to show up there. We know they're going to be in that room full of all those objects in the trailer. So at some point somebody's got to be like, let's go to this guy's house or whatever. So. I originally thought it was benign. I was like, maybe he's just, it's like, I'm going to make money. I'm going to flip this stuff. But last night was on strange glow. It came up that like, what if he's kind of like Janosch? Yeah. So what if he's been kind of like this entity has influenced and wants the orb to go where it needs to go, you know? And it kind of was like, Oh, that adds an element to this story that I hadn't really thought of, you know, that like the entity could actually be having influences to get itself where it wants to go. And I don't know. We'll see. I still kind of think it's probably going to be more like he's a collector who's like, oh, there's a place that I can pawn this at that'll buy these objects for me. But oh, it's, it's a possibility. Like I remember back in um, uh, the springtime uh, going to the summer when they were filming uh, Ghostbusters over in the UK and like Dan was doing the, uh, the media and interview appearances and he really talked about possessed objects. Like he was really yeah. talking about how our movie kind of dives into that. And they kind of touch on that in the film with the, the golden orb and such. But uh, you you saying that right now, I mean, if I'm just thinking of like, OK, if he and Kumel inherited it, who's to say that the person who owned it previously right. didn't die because of something related to the orb? You know, it's right. just, I mean, again, this is just spitballing ideas and everything, but uh, I, I'm definitely interested to see how he got a hold of it, why he has it. And if there is any of that kind of like Janos Poha kind right. of a vibe where there's an ulterior motive somewhere or, you know, 
uh, I guess an invisible hand is at play. Right. Yeah. And that, or is it just, oh, by random happenstance of the Ghostbusters start taking in possessed objects because that's happening via Ray's occult and happening mm-hmm. via podcast. It just happens via coincidence. And it's going to be interesting to see like what the actual motive is that kind of drives this narrative together. I think I kind of agree with you also that like the international trailer was the one I preferred. I feel like the domestic trailer talks to us well. That mm. makes sense. Like, I think it yeah. talks to us as a fandom and it's like, look, Walter Peck. But like, if I show that trailer to my mom, she would have no idea that that was Walter Peck. <laughs> like, mm. She would have no throwback Who to is it. This guy. Yeah. And I was thinking about this with like my family. They heard me talk about afterlife for so long, right? Because it was like we were waiting for it. And I was just constantly all the time like, yeah, I'm really waiting for this movie to come out. I'm really excited about it. And I wouldn't shut up about it. So... <laughs> Jim, do you want eggs? Yeah, afterlife. Tell you. <laughs> it's, it's worse than that. I didn't see my family for years because of the pandemic, and I live 3,000 miles away from them, and every time I was on the phone, I was like, what's going on? I'm still waiting for my movie. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> they had heard me talk about that for so long, and they didn't run to the theater to go see it, right? But, like, mm-hmm. they are people who eventually watched that movie on cable mm-hmm. and then went, like, or, you know, on streaming, whatever. And then said, oh, hey, I watched that Ghostbusters movie you had been talking about. It was actually really good, like which was kind of like it repeatedly was. I was almost surprised that that yeah. movie was something that I enjoyed and held up. And but they were not people who for whom like Ghostbusters, the canon of it matters like at best it might to my dad because my dad and I would watch Ghostbusters together in a video store when I was a kid when he was working nights. You know, but like for my mom, it's not for my sister or her husband. It's not. And I felt like the first the domestic trailer was one that if I showed it to them, they wouldn't necessarily know what this movie was was about or like why that guy at the beginning matters or anything. Whereas the second trailer, the international trailer is one that I showed it to my partner. She's not a ghost head, right? Like she doesn't Mm -hmm. really know who ghost Walter Peck is. I showed her both trailers and I said, tell me what you think of these two. And she went, well, that one tells the story of what I would go to a movie for way better. Like that's, yeah. I, but this one, I'm not like, is that the guy from the first movie? And I was like, yes. Oh, okay. Right. So I think like, to me, I like that international trailer better because I want the trailer to do the job, not of making me happy that I got to see what's going to be in a movie, but of getting people to go to it mm-hmm. <laughs> who necessarily maybe weren't going to go to it to begin with. Cause we're all going to go. Right. Like we're all oh, going yeah, to yeah. see this movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I totally agree. Um, uh, one thing that, uh, was a standout. And again, I mentioned this in some of the coverage I did was I feel like with Ghostbusters, there's a handful of characters that get that, that nice pop. They get that really nice response from, you know, the casual fan, the person yeah. who may, may not necessarily even like be crazy about Ghostbusters. Um, but they may go see it. Um, you know, guys like Bill Murray and such like that. Sure. But one that I was really elated to see get her spotlight was Annie Potts, Janine Melnitz. And that is, that was the overarching conversation I had with people that were more common fans, you know, friends around the area, family members, um, was after they watched it, they said, oh, Hey, it's cool to see the receptionist or, Hey, it's cool to see Mima or, Hey, it's cool to see Annie Potts. (laughs) Uh, hardly none of them said Janine. But they were excited to see that and right. for her to finally get her, you know, in the flight suit, the proton pack. And I hope, I, I mean, I know Sony knows the kind of the weapon they have there with Annie Potts and the crowd that she can bring in because 
people freaking love. I mean, people that know Ghostbusters love Janine. People that yeah know Annie Potts, they love Annie Potts. Right. I mean, she's great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was one thing that I again I I'm not I not really surprised over it, but uh, I'm just really happy that they they gave her a moment in that trailer, uh, especially with the uh, the line delivery from Bill Murray. Um, I think Velvets. that really sold it for yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't have to sell it for to me, but I think that 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 moment probably sold it for quite a few people. I love that moment because I want to hold it in contrast to like the 1984 moment where he's like, "We're paying for this stuff." Yeah, <laughs> where he's just like it's like you know I'm sure that you could find an equally pay, paying job in the food service industry. <laughs> like he's like such a dick to her in the first movie. In those moments, and that's what leads her to answer the phone with Ghostbusters. What do you want? Right, just because mm. he's been so shitty, and so it's a sort of see in the trailer this sort of evolution of relationship. You know that like it's not just like hey, he's a dick <laughs> to Janine, <laughs> was kind of important to me. But I think you're right about this. Like I think there's a lot of people who identify, even if they're not like she's Janine Melnitz, they know she's Janine. She's just as much of a character from the real Ghostbusters. For the folks who are like about our age, who are in like their 40s or about to reach their 40s, the real Ghostbusters is really what made Ghostbusters important for them. And it's something I've really learned, I feel like, over the last year of the podcast of talking to so many people is that for me, the first Ghostbusters movie is the thing I remember first because I was four and it's like the first full movie experience I can remember going to as a child. Like it's why it's such a big deal for me. But without question, the thing I then fell in love with and owned all the toys for and watched every you know Saturday was the real Ghostbusters. It wasn't that movie. And there's plenty of people who were not even alive when the 84 movie came out or who were like two years old. And so they're mm. on board to Ghostbusters is the cartoon. Right. It is real Ghostbusters. Yeah. So they have been waiting to see Janine put on a flight suit, even if they're not like hardcore Ghostbusters fans. They've just seen her do it in a cartoon like they watched Ghostbusters as they were kids. They've now seen like, oh, that's cool. They're doing what they did in the cartoon like when I was a kid. And that resonates for them. Right. Because even though they're not current hardcore Ghost Ghostbusters people, they are people who had a Janine action figure or who watched that show. And they like saw her in the pink mm-hmm. flight suit and went, well, when are they going to ever do that in the movie? Right. So I think you're right. I hope that they really leverage the fact that she's there. And it's crazy to me that that's a decision that was made on the set. Yeah. Like what else would she have done? Like, I mean, I guess she could just be at the firehouse and, you know, they could be like, hey, you know, here's this proton hand, one handed pistol thing. Uh, <laughs> you're going to, you know, you're going to wear your little vest in your your dress and you're just going to slap this on your arm um or maybe she was never supposed to maybe she was maybe. just going to be in the background and that was it but it's awesome that she's going to get you know the, the this kind of feature uh it's great to see the character kind of evolve a bit because especially when you think about like she is a part of the ghostbusters yes but she is a reception at the, at the same time for it to be 40 years later <laughs> Be like, you know what? Sure, I'm I'm working back here again. You know, I know there's like the whole relationship and everything they're probably going to dive into with her and Egon through the years and, yes. and Winston. So there's always that constant connection of her being with them. So I, I get that. Um, but man, for her to her to stay with that employer all those years, uh, yeah. I, I I hope 
I, I hope they're paying her well. And well, I this hope she's got funny. benefits. Is I thought this was kind of amusing. You touched on something that's happened in social media this week that I is kind of, you know, it's not a huge deal, but like friend of the podcast, Chris Stewart from the cross rip had made this sort of snarky tweet answering back fans. He kind of like put a perspective in quotation marks and began to answer it back. And the perspective was the people who are criticizing the trailer and going like, this movie makes no sense. This was just a job for Winston and Janine. Like that makes no sense that they're in this movie. And you're like, yeah, except that she also was like somebody who was helping to pay the bills of a guy living in Oklahoma when she presumably was not in Oklahoma. She was in New York. And I don't really think that Egon was paying her given that she was talking about how there was a considerable amount of debt to inherit and that she was struggling to help him keep the lights on. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's clearly a relationship here for these people, right? It's not just like, Oh, she worked for them and then she stayed on the payroll for 40 years necessarily as much as they have had serious, like, almost world ending traumatic events they shared together and that have like shaped and colored their relationships over time. And we're going to get to sort of see what that grew out, you know, what that grew into for a movie about ghosts and ghost busting. Seriously, that could be one of the most realistic parts of the film. Yeah. Because I've done it. I'm sure tons of listeners have done it. You're at a job you may not like, and you're like, you know what? Later this year or this week or next week or next month, I'm going to put my resume out there somewhere else. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. <laughs> and a year goes by. Yeah. And then another year goes by. Yep. And then wouldn't you know it, you've made friends and maybe you've got friends that even from like previous employers, you still talk to, maybe they're yep. your best friend. Who knows? You still keep in touch with those people. And if those people hit it big, like Winston, why not be like, Hey, you know what? Come aboard. Yeah. You know, we'll hire you. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll bring you back. Um, and you've got, you know, you, you do feel, uh, you kind of mentioned it when it came to like the world, like world events and like these horrible moments and everything. And, you know, Vigo and Gozer and all this, uh, you, you have that bond, you, you have that attachment with one another. Yeah. And to me, yeah, that's, that is very, very realistic. Again, when it's it, like teams when it of firefighters, ghosts, right? Yeah. Or cops who have like all endured, like, a, a, these shared events that were difficult and challenging and tested their metal, you know? And so I'm, I'm eager to see this. Like I, I really, I really want to know what the script was before they decided to put her in the flight suit. I'm not going to lie. Like, I want to know what, what did they go into London? Like, well, about to shoot that they changed their minds on the set and were like, we're going to make this happen. You know, was it plot points or was it just, was it just costuming? Who knows? Well, one thing that I, um, we haven't really talked about and I, I meant to kind of mention it when I was talking about like the, the, the ensemble, like the massive cast, like there's a lot of people in this yeah. thing. Um, but I like the idea. One thing that I really loved about the trailer is it really kind of shows how aside from likely the big battle, you know, at the end where they kind of go against Karaka, um, it's the fact that it seems like they're going to branch off. You know, you're going to have this group of ghostbusters, this group and this group, like they're all going to do their own, like their own little thing. Mm-hmm. And for at least a partition of the movie there. So I could definitely see it where maybe she was with another group. You know, she maybe didn't stay at the firehouse. Right. She went out there with, you know, Patton and, and, or not Patton, but, uh, Dr. What's his name? What, what? Dr. Hubert Wurtz. Hubert. Uh, yeah. Because we've seen the clip of like Hubert and, uh, Danny at the, at the library. Right. So who yeah. knows? Maybe she was going with them. Maybe she was going elsewhere. Uh, maybe she was the, uh, there's a clip of going into, um, 
Kumel's like trophy room. It's not really a clip, yeah. but a photo from the Empire magazine. Maybe she was kind of like the mother hen in that scene and she kind of like brought everybody with her. Uh, I don't know. I, I Maybe it was something that it was like story driven that, that kind of got changed around a bit and it wasn't just wardrobe. Right. But I'm I'm so I'm totally stoked by it. I'm like, I'm excited. And I've joked about this oh, previously yeah. that like this new weapon she's going to have this handheld what looks to oh, be like God. a handheld neutrona neutrona blaster. Everybody's going to have to have one. Yeah. Like that's going to be a HasLab. <laughs> well, just from a prop standpoint of like the fact that I can now dress up like a Ghostbuster and not break my freaking back. Yeah. <laughs> and not the fact that like, I mean, the HasLab stuff and everything, it's made it a lot more bearable. It's made a lot more nice, you know, mm-hmm. more nice than running around with like a 40 pound pack on your back. But the fact that I can just strap something to my arm and run around and be like, I'm a Ghostbuster. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited for that. And I'm sure every freaking franchise is going to have them. Um, yeah. Men, women, everybody is going to be going to be wearing those. Yeah, I think that'll be a thing we see people starting to build. Actually, I've seen people beginning to build those already uh, based off the trailer. I've seen a few posts on social media uh, of folks who have started to mock those up and figure out what is involved in making them. Uh, I will say I'm a slight I'm slightly disappointed. Not really, though. And my slight disappointment is that I've been talking over the last couple episodes how I about how I hoped it was just a really big, giant boxing glove. Like a big mm. ghost glove that she could just punch ghosts with and it would have been awesome. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll have that as a secondary function. That would be great. I think I called it like the boson glove or something. It was just like you just had the boson punch. <laughs> <laughs> you probably wouldn't pay to see that. See, Annie Potts just like everybody else is shooting wands and she's just running up the small little older woman underneath big scary ghosts and just punching them in the nuts. Give me the old Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, it's like this. It's more like the the little Mac. She does the uppercut. Oh. You know, you got to hit the start button. And then she bam. That's she's not like she's not like lunging on Garaka, like trying to like bite its horn off. <laughs> no, <Okay. laughs> that's that's the Mike Tyson. That's, that's what different. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm now I now want Janine to be trained by Doc Lewis from uh, Doc Lewis. Mike Tyson's punch out. It's just a little sprite of her jogging in a flight suit with a, a glove <laughs> on and he's riding a bike. Uh, but no, I, I really do think it's going to be cool to see Janine in in ghost busting, you know, mode. Like the only time we ever got to see that in the real Ghostbusters was kind of like when she wished for it with a genie. <laughs> it's like where that happened. Yeah, like there was a few other times where she like kind of like tried to save the day or, you know, there was like other happenstance that kind of took place or what have you. But yeah. um, it was definitely few and far in between. Um, and I'm kind of surprised, though, like like I said, I, the, the response has been really good to it, uh, at least from what I've seen. But I'm kind of surprised that like a lot of the uh, the the news sites out there, like the entertainment news sites aren't really kind of jumping on that. I feel like that's a right. pretty good, uh, a pretty, you know, pretty good headline. Honestly, it's the thing I thought I would have opened the domestic trailer with over what it opens with. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. this for a couple of minutes. Like this is I'm going to say some stuff here about the Walter Peck thing. And I mentioned this on Strange Glow when I was on and I feel like I might have come across as negatively. And I don't mean to because I'm not like unhappy to see Walter Peck in a movie. Right. That's great. I love seeing it's Walter fine. Peck in a movie. Um, I just thought it was an odd choice to open the trailer like with him mm-hmm. because that trailer then talks to people who know who Walter Peck is like, otherwise it's just like, here's this guy who's saying things. And then Paul Rudd is like overruled. 
<laughs> and and Finn Wolfhard is like sustain. And you're like, okay, cool. So who is this guy? If you don't know who Peck is, what's your take on who he is in the movie? Who do you think? Would, what do you think he does? I would think mayor. Like this is the consensus everybody seems to have yeah. is that he's the mayor, and one large part because of the office he's in, but also mm-hmm. because he's wearing a vest that apparently that's a throwback to Mayor Lenny wearing vests. And <laughs> the mayor is a key part of like all ghostbusters movies like uh i mean afterlife no but i mean you had like the sheriff in town for that yeah. so you had kind of like that local you know police enforcement but to me i i don't know if you can return to new york city if you're gonna return to new york city and you're gonna have the mayor you, obviously you can't have mayor lenny right poor guy passed away and also i mean he, he wouldn't be mayor now it would be too crazy no he was the lawyer um, of the sopranos you know so he, he can't yeah. be mayor now he's no too no, no 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 bada bing <laughs> um but I feel like that's the that's one of the, the, the better choices. If you're going to have a mayor and you're bringing back William Atherton, that just seems almost perfect, uh, especially if you're going to have it where he still has that axe to grind against the Ghostbusters, despite the fact that he did see the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, despite the fact that he was covered in marshmallow goo, all this such. He just he doesn't believe it. He still thinks they're, you know, a crock. Um, but I do agree. I didn't really think of it at the time, but I do definitely agree now that you're kind of saying it here that it's definitely odd for the more casual fan. Yeah. Uh, just coming into that. I kind of feel like if he is mayor, it would have been nice to actually have maybe a quick shot of his desk as he's talking mm-hmm. with, you know, mayor, uh, peck or what have you just kind of like, just seeing like a little name tag or something just to kind of bring in that more casual audience. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, I, I'm not like, I don't feel, I will say this. I don't feel like I get mayor's office vibes in that scene the way I did in mayor Lenny's office. Like that's a room that is otherwise empty except for the Ghostbusters and one police officer who's standing in the back. And so I'm kind of like, did he escort them there? Like, what's the situation there? Whereas it felt like Mayor Lenny's office was almost like a little more opulent and Mm -hmm. had more people coming and going uh, and sort of around him. Maybe it was because they were in the middle of crisis. That's fine. A little. uh, This is where I don't want to sound negative, but I might. One of the things that's really important to me in a Ghostbusters movie is that it's grounded in something like that. It's grounded in a sense like Ghostbusting is not right. Like we can accept that the Ghostbusting yeah. is it's the fantasy part of things. And so the rest of what works in the 84 movie is that it feels very grounded. And I've always said that, like, what makes it feel grounded is the sense of New York that you have. And it's kind of like that, whether it's the combination of unpermitted shoots and permitted shoots composited with mm-hmm. L.A. soundstage stuff that makes you feel like you are grounded in a real universe. And in contrast to that, this is not to do the slagging on Ghostbusters 2016 because we're not doing that. But one of the things that I find difficult about being grounded in that universe is how that universe talks about the Academy and academia, right? It's sort of like, is this incredibly unrealistic version of what tenure is and how Mm -hmm. any of that would work? Like to be real for those of you out there listening, Tenure review is like a process that goes on for like four years when you get a job at an academic institution. It's designed to be something that coaches you into being a good professor in the context you're in. It's not like a thing where people go, oh, we can fire you tomorrow because you study something we don't think is important. And now you no longer have tenure and it just happens in the middle of a semester. It's not a thing. And even like the first Ghostbusters kind of does this a little because it's just like you're being moved off campus. You're like, okay, but they would have known that. Like, no one would have shown up and been like, we've canceled all funding for your department in the middle of the semester while you were doing studies with students. Like, it's not how things work. 
But I've always let that go with the 84 movie because it's kind of not really essential to the plot. And the 2016 movie, in contrast, especially the extended cut, needs to bring it back up over and over again. Sort of needs to call back to the book. It needs to like sort of call back to the dean, etc. I'm worried, in a sense, that I want there to be a logical explanation for why an environmental regulatory investigator <laughs> working for the federal government in 1984 pivoted to becoming a politician who's capable of winning the New York City mayoral election. Like. I'm going to need that. If I don't have it, that will be a big unanswered question for me that kind of pokes a little bit of a hole in the grounding of the of the movie. I know for some people they're going to go, dude, you are nitpicking so hard. But the New York part matters to me. Right. And you can't sort of hand wave who's the mayor of New York City for me. You just can't. Um, Or it takes away that grounding. So. Maybe, I don't know. You might think I'm being too, too nitpicky too. You can no, say, so. I mean, it, it's definitely weird, especially when you think there's a 40 year gap between the two. Um, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm just thinking maybe that's, it's a weird rags to riches story where after the events of the first Ghostbusters, the reason we didn't see him in Ghostbusters two uh, or anything like that is he was done. You know, Mayor Lenny pulled some strings and something happened and he just, he he's been trying to work his way back up all these years and he's finally back up there and he's not going to be taken down by those ghostbusters again. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the story is going to be or anything. I, I, I just like you, I, I hope there is some grounding there. Cause that's the one thing that I, especially the first ghostbusters does mm-hmm. so well. Um, is it the fact that something like the stay puff marshmallow man, you can believe it is because up until that point, everything is just kind of gradually, built up and up where it started in reality and now I can accept this. Now I can accept right. that. And now I can accept, you know, I can accept, accept Slimer. Sure. Um, so I, I get it. Me not, you know, being, you're, you're making me think about it. I will say, so I don't like mean it was to, not sorry. It was something before this that where I would question. Um, however, I do feel like on his standpoint, he's either, obviously he's still harboring, uh, ill feelings towards the Ghostbusters, which I would assume means that after the events of Ghostbusters, the first film, something happened. Something continued to happen with him. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to go back to my EPA job. Uh, I think there was some bad ramifications in terms of the events of that film, the destruction of the apartment building, uh, Lenny backing and, and Lenny getting back in, obviously, uh, as mayor, because he was in that way in Ghostbusters too. Uh, I, I just feel like there's definitely some a, a lot of narrative, a lot of story there, and a lot of hatred that has been built up with Walter Peck. I'm also going to say that I'm hopeful that it's a total misdirect. The way that scene is cut mm-hmm. could have totally different dialogue. Oh, yeah. He could be saying, like, I've been waiting 40 years for this. And the next thing he could be saying is, I was wrong. <laughs> What people thought was that people say this, but there was no actual evidence of anyone doing any. And then he could turn around and go, but I was wrong. What do you need? (laughs) That would, I would be totally (laughs) fine with that because I would rather see him come into the role or, or him come into the narrative and illustrate a sense of growth that we see from other characters Mm -hmm. uh, rather than, Oh, it's round two. 
right? Like for Walter Peck and the Ghostbusters 40 years later. But we'll see. Like, I'm going to go see the movie either way. and I'm probably going to enjoy it either way. But I'm kind of hopeful in a weird way that like. That's a misdirect for us. Like, we're supposed to think of that as being like, oh, my God, Peck is back. But in the end, he's going to turn around and go, I've actually developed a relationship with billionaire Winston Zeddemore who helped me to get elected. (laughs) Like, would be a really logical explanation for why that scene isn't him standing there going, I'm going to shut you down like I tried to before. Right. And he's going to yeah. if if he is a guy who went from federal investigator to winning a mayoral campaign that would require millions of dollars in capital funding. Mm-hmm. Maybe Winston did it. That would be kind of crazy. It's a possibility. I, I just want to see Walter Peck now, you know, wear a proton pack. That's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, that is actually kind of funny because um, you're bringing that up because I know in the from the frozen or frozen. The Empire Magazine, I was about to say the Frozen Empire Magazine, which I guess it kind of is, uh, the March uh, feature there, there is the talk with Jason Reitman and he's kind of discussing the end of the film, you know, all the Ghostbusters coming together and you see that in the trailer, Um, but he talks about Ghostbusters old and old and new joining together, plus a few, like maybe a a few surprises, which makes me wonder, like, what are those surprises? I mean, are, are, are you going to give Slimer a proton pack? Are you going to give Walter <laughs> Peck a proton pack? Um, there's also in if you, if you did watch the breakdown video uh, that I did on the channel, there is the one scene, I believe it's from the, um, I think it's from the domestic, the North American trailer where you see, it appears like somebody's like jumping out a shot on the left-hand side for a quick second. Yeah. And what they're wearing is entirely different. Like it's almost like, like a, I don't, I don't want to say like medieval or like a night gear or something, but it doesn't seem to fit with the era. Um, maybe it's just a shot. Maybe I, I'm looking at something that's not really there, but there, there's something there. There, there, there's, there's another element to that, that, that big ghostbuster battle at the end of the film. I have a feeling. Well, it makes you wonder given that like we've seen now in stills, um, you know, or rather in the first trailer and that's now showed up in longer detail in the second trailers, the scene of the firefighters inside mm. the firehouse in what appears to be like the 19th century. Like part yeah. of me wondered if, but the potential surprise could be that there's some sort of rift in time or something where like those mm-hmm. people, those like good ghosts, maybe like who people who were from that time are able to help out. Who knows? Like, I mean, I've also joked that I'm kind of hopeful that Lewis Tully will just show up in the last like 90 <laughs> seconds of the movie and just be like, I'm here with you guys. And then everybody thinks he saved the day. Uh, that would really make my day. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it would be silly and stupid, but it would be also kind of awesome. But yeah, I, I'm, I don't mean to sound negative if I do, like I'm totally excited about seeing this movie and seeing where it's going to go. Um, I just want to make sure that we get a movie that, you know, is fulfilling. Like, I don't, I don't want Peck to be there for the sake of being there. That makes sense. And I think mm-hmm. with Jason and Gil, you know, they don't tend to put characters into things and just arbitrarily inject things in there just for the sake of them being there. There's usually a reason. I mean, orange thing yeah. outstanding, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of Easter eggs in the first movie tech wise, but not character wise. You know, everybody who's there no, has a role. No. So everybody, I mean, yeah, like all I can think of is like how profound, uh, Evo Shandor's role was in Afterlife. He just showed up, got torn into. 
Yes. Uh, just that just didn't true. show for the just didn't show for the sake of showing up, you know. Not not to get him a, a job or a role in that film. No, that is fair. That is a role that kind of is there to be there, right? Like it doesn't yeah. have to be. But yeah. The other thing I really was stoked about in this trailer was seeing this lab. Like this and really the international trailer does a way better job of showing you this research lab that the movie's going to kind of center around. And I thought this was kind of funny. There's that moment where they're like, you just let all these ghosts run around in here. And Winston's like, we spent 40 years trapping them and now we get to research them. And I'm like, this is totally a Ghostbusters move. This is unlicensed nuclear accelerators on backpacks. Oh yeah. Right. Like, yeah, we have a lab. What's the difference? Just let them run around here. It's all fine. It'll be good. Right. And so it's (laughs) totally the prime moment for some then big bad to show up and be like, I can command everything you put in this room. Oh yeah. (laughs) I do love the fact though, that the ghosts that we're seeing that's like running around in here are things like the mini puffs. They're things like pukey. Like they don't have a cell with like the freaking Scolari brothers in it. Like something that was right. like, like horrifying. I mean, there may be in the, the, the actual film, but at least from what we're being shown here, we've got the adorable, cute, cuddly, little, you know, spectral menaces. Mm-hmm. I want to know where they are. Uh, I have said, suggested that where they are is not new construction, right? Like it is another, mm-hmm. like the firehouse, old tiled place with like archways and things. So I'm like, yeah. are you like in a disused portion of the Central Park Zoo? Like, did you move into an old aquarium? Like, what is this? What appears to be a underground, right? Like, it's it's kind of constructed in a way that gives it an underground vibe with all these tiles and bricks and archways and buttresses sort of architecturally that wouldn't make sense if there wasn't stuff stacked up on top of it. Right. So to me, I'm like, is this like an underground area, like at a defunct zoo or an aquarium? Like, what did they get? Because it's not it's weird to consider it. But like if, if you're Winston, and you have billions of dollars, you want to build a research lab. You could just be like, hey, we're building a new facility, right? Like mm-hmm. the ground up, we're putting in fiber optic lines everywhere we're going. And instead, what we're looking at is a room that has got a bunch of old and very similar old fashioned ceramic tiles. And then the technology around the room is like IBM PCs with cathode ray tubes and floppy drives, <laughs> right? So where, where are they? I really like this research lab is cool, but I'm also like, what is this facility and where has all this equipment come from? Yeah. It's also cool too, too, to see like if it is going to be a, uh, you know, fictitious New York landmark, uh, I'm kind of curious if this is going to add another must stop destination when it comes to <laughs> fans, New York, you know, trips like, Hey, you know, you go through this passageway and this is where our, our research facility is. I, I just really love the fact that it, you know, it, it seems like that being that it has a like older vibe, older style to it. It almost kind of seems like from the get go, it's going to have this like iconic vibe and feel that's going to match up well to the Ghostbusters firehouse. Yes. Uh, And I'm kind of curious, too, that if it is a like at least the exterior uh, has some type of like real world attachment to New York City, if we're going to see like a new must stop spot on fans you know, NYC trips Mm -hmm. (laughs) like everybody's going to visit there again, we're going to have like a legion of fans in red jackets in the middle of the summer. Uh, just running <laughs> up and being like, "Hey, this is where the the R and D facility is." Well, well everybody's really heading over there, to but... the Coney Island Aquarium, right? To be like, yes. <laughs> I 
I mean, I don't think it was, I, I think it was all on a sound stage. I don't think any of it, end of it you know, was practical in terms of oh, no, going no, out no, to no, a location. No. But yeah. that's what I'm wondering and what I'm getting at, right? Is like, is, is this like, hey, they went and bought like a disused, um, you know, a uh, zoo wing. Did they go to the Bronx yeah. Zoo and be like, we want to get a wing of your old uh, underground reptile house and turn it into something else? Like, what is it? Because it's clearly not new construction. It's something that, they're going to have reappropriated. And I think that's kind of interesting, like that there's another like almost municipal building that they have mm-hmm. managed to find and potentially move into and work within. So and it could be something like underground lab, at, say, Columbia, but I, I don't think so. It doesn't kind of that. Vibe also, the like the reasoning of the lab and the location, like you were saying, I mean, like Winston, he's got the he's got the money. He can just set up shop almost anywhere he wants. Uh, so to actually be like, OK, we need this place right here i'm curious if maybe depending on the location maybe it's close to some type of like power supply uh that they need for mm-hmm. the large scale i i guess containment unit from what is shown in the uh, in the trailer there or at least um, the bank of containment units that are on the walls because yeah. there's like a whole bunch of rectangular objects on the back and it's only in the international trailer you don't see that mm-hmm. in the domestic trailer i don't think like that shot that gives you this back wall and then you see like four or five red objects with red and green lights on in the background that are painted the exact same color as the containment unit to me i looked at that and i was like this is like an array of containment Mm -hmm. devices that are all like kind of wired together in some capacity almost like holding cells you know um i've kind of suggested maybe that's where they divided up the 198 pieces of gozer (laughs) (laughs) that were in the 198 traps in egon's field because you probably can't put them all together in one place um that likely leads to a pretty bad manifestation for you. You probably can't put your terror mm-hmm. dogs in the same place as you put your deity that summons the terror dogs. Yeah. That would be bad. So, uh, yeah, I really want to know more about this facility. And like, strangely enough, like if they were going to make a play set from this movie, I don't know that I'd want it to be the firehouse. Like, I think I'm like, give me this research lab. Don't give me Kenner yeah. Egon's lab. Give me this lab. Like, show me what this like. Give me you know, a diorama, some sort of thing that, that you can either take the, the figures that are from the fright features line or that you can take from plasma series and put them into this sort of research lab context. Cause it seems like it's going to be pretty damn important in terms of the film. Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, it, it seems like this is where when you start branching the teams off, like this is where, uh, lucky she's going to spend quite a bit of the time in the movie. Yeah. Uh, this is where, uh, James a Castor's character there. Uh, he's going to spend quite a bit of time in the film. Um, yeah, I, again, not too much has been shown, but I'm, I'm enticed. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. So here's my, my big question. I'll ask you that I've got my own thoughts on. Does the firehouse make it out of this movie? I, I think it has to, (laughs) I, I hope so. Um, I feel like if you go through all this and you tear apart the firehouse, like I can't see the film feeling resolved at the end if they're not in the firehouse, especially with the line like Paul Rudd delivers about like defending the firehouse, like defending this. To me, the ending of this movie has to come with the Ghostbusters in the firehouse, you know, alarm kind of goes off and again, back in business, you know, like kind of how it begins, like they've got the threat down. And maybe you tease that next big threat. You tease what what could be coming afterwards. But I feel like to get a proper resolve, you've got to do it where 
the firehouses at least either being worked on or back in order. Mm-hmm. But then again, I do get that appeal of, you know, possibly having it where, you know, you got narration from Winston and he's talking about everything that's changed and it skips six months ahead. And now they're in a bigger facility and, you know, Ghostbusters is going global or Ghostbusters is, you know, branching out. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm one of the first guys that I've even said on this podcast that I can't wait for them to expand. And my first initial concept of like, hey, let's end it back in the firehouse. That kind of keeps in the firehouse. We right. end it with them, again, opening up and uh, having a, a larger scale facility, having a new firehouse elsewhere, what have you. Um, that would be huge. Uh, I would just feel, I'd feel bad for the guys at the actual hook and ladder eight in New York city. If it uh, wasn't the firehouse anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I I love those guys there. And, uh, I know like they'll, they'll still draw a crowd, uh, regardless, but, uh, yeah, it it would be kind of painful. It'll always be the ghostbusters uh, firehouse. Even if they, if it, if it isn't like that's like for us, it will always be that. Right. It, it, It will be, it will be. But, uh, I, I feel like the ghostbusters at least right now, this tandem, like if you've got the New York based Ghostbusters, the firehouse is as much of a character as the Ecto one, as much mm-hmm. of a character as like the lead for like the lead lead guys. Um, <laughs> the surprise, so, the surprise at the end of the movie is going to be that they cover the firehouse in slime and it picks itself above its foundation and <gasps> turns into a giant like stone warrior and just uses the big boson punch. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> There you go. Now, I, uh, I, I hope it kind of, yeah, I, I hope it, I hope it kind of survives or, you know, they, uh, they're doing the build up at the end there. Um, but again, you can have that. And at the same time, you can still, you can still kind of set up that next sequel. You can still do the yeah. whole global idea. You know, all, all it is is a quick narration and Hey, this is what we're doing three months later, six months later, one year later, uh, do that tease for the next film. Hopefully this movie is a success and it continues. Uh, I have no idea what the freaking budget is on this thing because good Lord, looking at the trailer, (laughs) uh, comparing it to afterlife, the cast salary alone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, hopefully this movie makes bank again. No idea what the actual, how much this thing costs, but right. Hope, hopefully it does well at the box office. I will throw this out there regarding the firehouse and the end of, you know, what happens with this movie. I think it's entirely possible that we can see the firehouse destroyed in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I talked a bit about this yesterday and I've thought about it some more since. Why did they keep the firehouse after the first movie? Like what is the practical reason to stay there? Right? They're the building is wrecked. There's a giant hole that has ripped through the basement, right? The garage floor, the second floor, the attic, and the roof. There's a giant gaping hole through every single floor of that building that by Ghostbusters 2 has been fixed. So why? And then thinking about Winston being able to walk right back into the building at the end of Afterlife, let's suppose for a second that there was never a Starbucks there, or even that there was and it was just on the first floor and leased out. Why does Winston still have access and ability to get in and out of the building? And the answer to me is the containment unit, like the the need to sort of keep the uh, chain of custody, if you will, on the containment unit and make sure that it does its job and doesn't suddenly fail means that there has to be some chain of custody over the building. Does that Mm -hmm. make some sense? Yeah, yeah. If the containment unit is destroyed in this movie and there are other containment facilities in New York, 
what's the rationale for why you need the firehouse? And so like, that's the thing that started to ring through my brain is going, they could totally wreck the firehouse. They could just move. The, they could be like burning down the bat cave. You can build mm. another bat cave somewhere else. You can also have like, you know, Batman's uh, what's the tower he has. that I can't think of the name of now. That's like inside of a clock. Um, and it's like, no, his back, no idea. it's like a backup bat cave. That's inside of a clock in Gotham city. And the Batman fans listening to the podcast right now are like, you idiot. It's called this. Uh, but like he has several bases of operations around Gotham city. And even like when you get to something like, you know, the last uh, Chris Nolan movie, it's like, oh, what do we do about the future and what's going on with Gotham? I'll just burn down my whole mansion and blow up my Batcave, like mm-hmm. disappear myself and then reappear maybe somewhere else later. So it makes me wonder if like the firehouse will get destroyed and maybe maybe something else or maybe it gets rebuilt on the site where it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I do wonder this, too, given that they codenamed this movie Firehouse like to me that is about the setting if you're to follow the rust city paradigm of things that was about the setting of the movie was in rust city this rusty old place most of this movie is likely taking place inside the firehouse and maybe it will be the last time who knows i don't know but like to me it feels like the stakes are high enough for that to happen i'm not rooting for the firehouse to get destroyed anybody out there right now who's like jim you're a bad fan you want them to do what like no i'm not but i totally think it could happen then i think they could turn around Mm -hmm. as you said and be like well they're walking into a rebuild project maybe the final epilogue moments are like construction teams rebuilding a facility on the side of the firehouse you know yeah but i feel like that potential is there that phrasing of we should stay here and defend this place to me suggests that the entirety of like the house even being there like whether they just surrender it and run meaning it's going to get destroyed, like the stakes are that high. They either stay yeah. and keep it and try to keep it or they leave and they lose it. So the stakes of completely losing the firehouse are there for us in this movie. Are we to believe that the entire thing is their fault? Mm. Like, uh, I mean, it, it seems like the death chill, it comes from this golden orb. They're screwing around with it. You know, mm-hmm. Ray's scanning it with a PKA meter. It does its whole thing at the uh, the lab. Uh, then Garaka's big goal, it seemed, I'm assuming, is to get to the firehouse because it, it's making a beeline right there to tear open the containment unit and have its army of ghosts. This one kind of seems like it's on the Ghostbusters. Yeah, no, a you little know? bit. <laughs> like, I mean, it is, let's be fair, the first Ghostbusters in some ways is on the Ghostbusters. Right. Yeah. Like the reason why the containment unit ruptures is because they design a laser grid containment system with no backup. Right. And Mm. they're like, hey, oh, crap. Somebody flipped the switch off. We lost power. So now everything goes boom. But even in that, like before that scene, they're talking about the size of the big Twinkie. They're talking about how much, you know, how much PKE is in the grid and how well it's holding up. And they're like, not good. So like a lot of what happens, I feel like, is the consequence of taking lots of paranormal entities and psychokinetic energy and deciding to bottle it all in one location, if that makes sense. Right. Like. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that does in some way mean that potentially it's their fault. But I think this this is an interesting thing to consider. Garaka is making a beeline for the firehouse, but clearly the firehouse has been related to a previous freezing attempt, given what we know. Oh, yeah. Given these yeah. images we've seen of like these 19th century folks frozen in the firehouse. So 
potentially Garaka has some other link to the firehouse. Like maybe there's a, you know, everything happens for a reason. Call it fate, call it luck, call it karma kind of reason that the Ghostbusters ended up with Hook and Ladder 8 ended up going there and buying it or rather leasing it, whatever they're doing, the relationship with it is and putting their containment unit there. But that the rationale for going there is not initially the containment unit. It's some prior historical thing that went on during Mm. that particular summer in the late 1800s. Does that make sense? Like you're saying the realtor from the first Ghostbusters is going to show up and she's going to help the Ghostbusters with a proton pack. (laughs) I get you. She knew it all along. But I mean, for real though, like, why is like no, I get you, you, can I get you argue that she's going there? With the, I keep saying she because I keep thinking of Garaka. I think I heard that people refer, refer to Garaka as a he. I don't know who Emily Allen Lind is, and so I've been trying to think that's been Garaka for a while. So I keep saying she, but I, we don't know what it is. You know, it's whatever it wants to be. But I think it's kind of weird that there is this scene of something that's already happened in the firehouse, mm-hmm. right? Like that is unquestionably that is the background they're in. It's not some other place in the 19th century. It's the firehouse. So what went on and how did they dispel this threat when it happened a hundred years prior or whatever? And what was the relationship between those objects that Kumail finds and potentially the firehouse? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to find out. I, I don't, I don't know if we're you're looking at me out. for an answer. I don't got I'm an not. answer, bro. No, I don't have an answer. We're going to movie we're has gonna, the answers. We're going to find out in less than two months. Yeah. But, uh, no, that, that is interesting because it's almost like a twofer. You get your army and legion of ghosts, but at the same time you're resolving this crazy issue or problem or something that's attracting you back to this firehouse. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing exactly the, the, the narration and kind of like the um, just the tell of this Garaka thing, because really we have no idea aside from yeah. here's an orb. It can do this. This is what it looks like. We've got nothing whatsoever. Uh, I mean, throughout the years, there's been so much lore added to like the whole Gozer stuff. Um, Vigo was just kind of there, you know, he died, put him in a painting. There's a soul, whatever uh, river slime. Okay, whatever. We just kind of accepted it. But um yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of what we what we find out about Garaka, because I think from a des- design standpoint, like the way this thing freaking looks, um, A, it's toyetic as hell. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I need a legit toy of this thing and not a, a, Funko a, Pop? a, a freaking Funko Pop. Um, <laughs> also, if anybody from uh, Ilphonic is listening, I know you guys likely already have your upcoming DLC ready to go, but uh, we, we need Garaka if it's not Garaka. I'm I'm gonna be sad. Yeah, even uh, if you just need yeah. to replace one of those Overlord class ones, yeah, just reskin it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Pukey is like a must. You got to throw Pukey into like the uh, the Ectoplast class. Yeah, um, that character is gonna be interesting to kind of see like, where it came from, and that's you know I want I hope this that's what I'm getting is I hope all these things have backstories. I want yeah to have development, you know, as opposed to just moments where we see it. So. But just so just we can recap, you know, I want the firehouse to get destroyed. You do. I want like, uh, you know, for Walter Peck to just go away. I'm kidding. I don't want any of those mm-hmm. things. So, you know, who I feel bad for. Who? Muncher. Yeah, man. Poor, poor boy. Great design. Great concept. 
eats metal, shoots it out like bullets. You know, just a good gimmick all around. And the new movie has Slimer in it. And it's like, okay, Slimer's back, no more Muncher. But then they just throw in Pukey. And Pukey looks freaking awesome. Uh, I mean, Pukey goes by that old kind of concept they have a Slimer of like, once you see him for the first time, you you remember him. Like, you yeah. know, a kid, if, if a kid saw Pukey, it was like, okay, draw Pukey. That kid can draw, you know, Pukey almost instantly. It's really just eyes, potato body, and like a weird mouth with like jagged mm-hmm. teeth. That's it. Um, so it kind of fits that old school, what makes a good Ghostbusters character, you know, a good Ghostbusters character. But to me, it just further replaces poor old Muncher. And I know it doesn't make sense for him to be in the movie because it was Somerville and all that. Uh, and I'm not asking for Muncher to be in the movie. I just feel like there was more potential with that ghost. And I hope that down the road, you know, if we, if that Netflix show materializes, cause we haven't seen anything right. about it in quite a while. Uh, yeah. I'm not asking for, you know, Muncher to have his own late night cartoon animated series, but <laughs> I hope I they am. throw my, I, I'm, I hope they throw my, my pudgy six arm little, you know, bro, a, a bone and they, they throw him in that. Cause that was, that was a cool character. I now want there to be a late night talk show that's run by Muncher, mm-hmm. um, where he just invites guests on and then shoots metal at them and they run. <laughs> it happens every night. <laughs> It'd be like an amazing, at least like, like in between epic. Like if you've got like a, a Ghostbusters animation block, two cartoons, Every week, and in between, yeah. you just have like a three-minute segment of Muncher just like spitting at a celebrity. It just it's Muncher. Every week. No, it's Muncher shooting metal at a dog named Ferdinand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I wonder. I mean, Muncher still got to be out there somewhere. They never caught him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, unless we were to find out in the comic book they did before they left Somerville. <laughs> but, well, I mean, but, the the ghost traps they opened at the end, and all the ghosts kind of got sucked in. Who knows? You know? Who knows? Maybe he's he at the lab. There. He maybe. could be the lab. Maybe he, maybe Pukey is his son and they play oh. baseball together and do things. We Pukey pukes up metal. And we're going to find out. We'll see. This is ridiculous, but <laughs> what'd you take on Slimer being back? What'd you think about seeing him in action in the trailer? Uh, I mean, love, love. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I saw a couple people, a few people online, like comparing him you know, to the original and like trying to like nitpick. And if you have to nitpick the design of this Slimer, you get some help. Yeah. Because the, the look of this thing is fantastic. Yeah. Um, people are like, Oh, it's all CGI. It's CGI being added, but there is an actual Slimer. Yeah. That they used for this movie. Yeah. No, it's um, practical. What, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a practical, like, yeah. Um, I, you know, they, they add kind of like the aura around him and stuff like that. I'm sure they kind of like, you know, spruce up some, some of the coloring and stuff, which you do in films. But uh, I think from a design standpoint, like they really stay true to like that Steve Johnson design. And the fact now that we can get so many more or so many different, like such different animated shots of this character. Right. You know, like beforehand, the way Slimer, you know, came at Peter Bankman in the Cedric Hotel, you had the camera kind of dormant and, you know you'd see Slimer and then you'd see Peter and then Slimer. But the fact now that we got the camera right on Slimer's face as he's going towards Finn and right. the camera's pulling with him, uh, such a cool shot. And also seeing Slimer actually slime someone because that's the thing, thing with the first movie is it, it happens off screen. You know, you see Dan running, he's in there and then it's like, Oh, he's slimy. But in this one, you see what happens when somebody gets slimed. Right. And it's, it's kind of horrifying in the respects of like, you know, 
<laughs> Slimer kind of goes through and he kind of like, he's got to like kind of push a little bit more to kind of get his rotund backside through yeah, him. And Finn um, is like, or rather Trevor is literally spitting out slime. Mm-hmm. Like in that scene, like he has managed to not the slime did end up in his body. Like it's yeah, <laughs> like it's in it's his, in his like mouth. It's in his it's stomach. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he's it's it's coming up from his throat area. Right. Um, at least that's what I believe. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a scene I'm just not, you know, checking out here or what have you, and they spliced out of there. But I'm under the belief that when you get slimed, which makes sense. Yeah. As much as it can make sense for ghosts and such like that to be able to slime you. Um, but yeah, it it's gonna get caked into your insides and you're gonna it's gonna come up. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would so, think logically if this was real, it would probably kill you instead. But <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just have a feeling like Slimer going through you with like a mouthful of Cheetos, like your heart would explode upon impact. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess, you know, spin up Slime's better, better than dying. Uh, do you think they'll catch him? I don't think so. Like there is that scene where Trevor is definitely back up in the attic with the proton back on and he's firing uh, so I'm assuming that he's going to try and go back up there and go after Slimer, but whether or not he's successful, I don't see it really happening. One thing I, I find it weird. I like, I can't really think of the, the trapping sequence inside that attic. Like it's such yeah. a small space. It was right. kind of weird to shoot. And again, with the real Ghostbusters influence and with Slimer, I just feel like there, there's a better story and better marketing in him being that slightly happier ghost. Yeah. And I don't think you trap that. No, I, I, I'm kind of feel like if they had the ability to trap that or if they had gotten it done, he would have been in the lab already. Mm-hmm. Like we would have seen him there. Like, look, he's back and he's in the lab because they've had him for 40 years. Like we've been trapping these things for 40 years. It does make me wonder, like, is he the most act? Is he actually the most like powerful ghost in New York City? Because <laughs> he, he doesn't get caught. He's had 40 yeah. years of being on the lamb after being caught right he was once caught they did get him out of there they've got him out of the sedgwick he's been living in the firehouse since arguably so i really i will say this i really want to know why i want to know why he's there and i've had this conversation and people are like because it's he's the firehouse and that's where they left him and it's the ghostbusters and i'm like yeah they haven't been there so why did Mm -hmm. he stick around like what was the he could go anywhere why is he now bound to the firehouse as opposed to being bound to the Sedgwick? Where's he's also, where's he also getting this food supply from? Well, I originally said that he was going to get it from the Starbucks that they well, were. I know that, but they, I mean, you're seeing like in the trailer, like he's got the Cheeto bags and the Stay Puft marshmallow yeah. bags and all this other food and everything like that. Like, are we to believe that he's just going to the corner store, like down the street and then <laughs> they just know like, him down at the bodega and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like he's doing, like he's trying to be like low key and he does like late at night when everybody's closed, he just kind of sneaks in and grabs his stuff. It's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Remember when they would go and put on those long trench coats and the hats? Slimer did that in the the animated series. There's the scene where he's wearing the trench coat and the hat. So, I mean, that would would not be new to him. (laughs) I don't know what he's paying for food with. I think he's probably still stealing it. But yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, that's the coat got big pockets but it's, it's kind of weird because like it's also interesting to consider that like he was is apparently bringing all of that back to the firehouse right like when we saw him at the rodriguez bar mitzvah in the video game or when we saw him <laughs> in the uh sedgwick ballroom he was just like i will consume here and now 
But the notion that like now he's hoarding things in the <laughs> attic, it's like, wow, okay, things have changed, Slimer. <laughs> the pandemic was really rough for Slimer. <laughs> well, that Starbucks just, downstairs went out of business is part of why. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was really was... rough, man. <laughs> like, he, he was afraid to have a food supply. He had to start rationing it out. Like, it was, it was, he, he woke up. He woke up during, during that time. <laughs> Poor guy. I, I have, I, I'm really like, I'm excited he's back in the movie. And I said this a couple weeks ago that like seeing those images from Empire like gave me the first like sort of strong nostalgic feel that I've had since like the first images of the firehouse. And even those now don't give me a sense of nostalgia because it's like this is the setting of the movie one mm-hmm. and two like the Ghostbusters firehouse is always the Ghostbusters firehouse. So it's not like I haven't seen it, but I haven't seen Onion Head, that particular version of Slimer since 1984. Like that's almost to me like coming back to, you know, afterlife and the anticipation you had of seeing the Ghostbusters again, seeing Slimer again. And I don't mean like this is no shade at Ghostbusters, too, but like I'm talking about the OG original guy, right? Not the things that followed and kind of were like, hey, here's the more cartoony version of him. But I am sort of interested to see, like, what is his persona going to be in this movie? Is he going to be like OG Onion Head or is he going to be like Slimer who drives a bus and takes Lewis? to the museum like do they have a relationship with him after ghostbusters 2 where he became sort of the house ghost that they just put up with because he helped to save the day or is this a situation where like we're going to turn around and find out that like no that was kind of an anomaly that he decided to help lewis you know like and it would be weird to turn a blind eye to everything that happened in ghostbusters 2 but then like cherry pick this one little thing of like hey slimer he drove a bus right he got Lewis there. Lewis told us about this. He's not so bad after all. Yeah. And like, it just kind of snowballed from there. It would, yeah, it'd be a weird fit. It would be, right? Like, if they suddenly just were to say, hey, slime blowers are in this movie, and slime, like, pink slime is in this movie, and the research labs and things, but, oh, by the way, let's just kind of forget that part of Ghostbusters 2, where Slimer was kind of integral to getting Lewis to the museum, and you just throw it out it wouldn't make a lot of sense so i feel like there's gonna have to be some sort of acknowledgement like that the Mm -hmm. ogs are going to have to be like oh you ran into the big green guy yeah he's been here a long time like why haven't you caught him well he usually doesn't cause any problems for us and occasionally he actually helps out like that and just that enough would be sort of enough to be like why is he there why didn't they bust him (laughs) like yeah you know like i the only like scenario i could i could see or not well not even really see but i was thinking was like what if someone like Winston or Janine who is popping in there to maintain the place and like help it out and stuff like that. They discover him and he's timid, you know, he's frightened. Right. He's not doing well. Uh, and they're the, <laughs> they could be bringing in the food, you know, just something like that. It, but to if, me, it would be Janine, Winston, right? Like that, that's because that I mean. would sort of pay off and follow through on like Janine and Slimer in the firehouse yeah. from the cartoon. And, because if it's Winston to me, why wouldn't Winston then take him to the lab? Like, right. Why wouldn't that would just make sense. Right. Um, if you're looking to study and stuff like that, especially a case where a ghost is becoming seemingly, you know, either timid or happy or whatever the case is. Um, having Janine as like his kind of his, his, his sugar mama, you know, bringing him all mm-hmm. the sugar daddies and all the other candy and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> that, that would, that would fit nicely. That, that would fit pretty well and the fact too that um it seems like she's in from the get-go like they're going to be at you know ghostbusters they're operational from what we've been told right when this movie begins 
So she's going to be at the firehouse. She could have been there the whole time, you know, again, checking up on it and stuff like that. And she's just been, she's been feeding Slimer. She's been, it's, it's like a puppy, you know, but Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, look, if she has a long-term relationship with Egon to help pay his bills, why wouldn't she also have one with him, with Slimer for like all this time? Sort of maybe she doesn't yeah. go back and see him once every week, but it's like occasionally she goes by the firehouse because Winston's like, Hey, can you go check up on this thing or whatever? And she runs across him in the way you're talking about, and she's like, All right, well, you 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 were nice to Lewis, and Lewis was my boyfriend once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Lewis told me about this. I didn't believe him when he said it, but it's actually turned out to be true. And I mean, we're gonna see. This is all high, obviously like deep speculation that could totally not pay off in the movie at all. But I, I wanna know, like, what is he doing there? What what was he doing for 40 years? Just being like, I'm in this empty building, hanging out, trying to find mm-hmm. food in other places and then bringing it back here making a mess of the attic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird fit, especially, I mean, even if you were to, to some, some degree disregard Ghostbusters too, and be like, okay, Slimer's haunting. That didn't really happen because they kind of cut a lot of that. Sure. Whole Lewis and Slimer bit. Um, he clearly, is all about leaving, you know, even Ghostbusters one, like once that grid blows up, he's gone. He's eating yeah, he hot leaves. dogs, you know, right. he's eating hot dogs. Uh, he's running at, he's flying at the screen at the end of the film. Like he is out and about. So he has no attachment, no ties to that firehouse whatsoever. So I, I kind of feel like it could be a thing where he, he's just, that's the place he knows eventually. Maybe he goes back there. Maybe, uh, Maybe there's some weird attachment to Peter, you know, the sliming, the Sedgwick. I don't know. That's true. There's um, also, I mean, that is a cartoon thing too, right? Is like he's as much as Peter claims to hate Slimer over and over again, they yeah. have like a relationship, you know, like that is kind of like a guy who puts up with his wife's cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe Peter is randomly, I, I can't see him popping in and out of the firehouse, but who knows? Maybe there's a relationship there. Um, but yeah, I, I would bargain to say that Janine seems like probably the most likely of characters. And at the same time too, um, you don't have Egon there for Janine. You don't have Lewis there for Janine. So to have, and I guess you kind of have, you know, Peter, uh, and you know, you have Ray and you got Winston and obviously they're going to kind of ham it up with between Peter and Janine. But I feel like there's not that direct emotional attachment. Right. But you can kind of do that with the Slimer because if you do have that as the backstory, you've got that like, again, almost like a puppy kind of scenario, like a dog mm-hmm. scenario where, you know, this is, this is kind of hers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm eager to see what that is going to be. You know, what is the explanation and what is his role? Like, does he have other mm-hmm. moments in this movie other than just, Hey, they found him in the attic and Finn tried to catch him and couldn't, you know, um, I would imagine he has to have a, a, a more, important role in the movie than that given the amount of work they did to bring him in you know like yeah. it could have just <clears throat> gone with any other ghosts in any other context but they at, did the effort to bring us that version of slimer for a reason so at the same time maybe finn just finds him he slimes him finn tries to get him again and that's all and they never give us an explanation whatsoever maybe. i mean it's and totally fans possible lose their freaking minds <laughs> what if they just don't understand what if the reason that Finn Wolfhard gets a license in real life finally is because Slimer teaches him to drive? Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> the ending is actually just like they do like the opening narration, like driving Miss Daisy and Finn's just driving Slimer around. I got That's this friend named Muncher. 
that's what they need to add to that VR quest game. The Slimer Driving hey. School. <laughs> <laughs> you have to drive a bus under the direction of the Green Ghost. Um, any other thoughts you have about the trailer? I mean, we've kind of just like pulled some random things out of this that I've been thinking a lot about. And so other thoughts it's, you I mean, have about the trailer? To, it's hard to kind of sit down and just, you know, do the standard trailer dissection just because, I mean, there's two of them, right? right. Like it, it's, it's more so just uh, kind of pick and choose and, and kind of grab what you want out of them there. Um, yeah, nothing really overly kind of like, I mean, I think we kind of discussed it all. Like there's a lot that stand out to me, but I think we kind of touched on the vast majority, uh, pretty much. I mean, everything really, um, I'm again, I'm very excited over the, like the tone, uh, how they're kind of handling all the characters, at least from what it appears like. And, um, I think I'm also kind of surprised that it seems like we're going to see slightly larger roles for, you know, the originals, the OGs, um, it seems like Bill may show up a little later in the movie, just judging by that, you know, do you need, would you need my assistance type mm-hmm. line? Um, but the fact that we're going to have Danny in there and, and Ernie and, and Annie and such like that, like pretty much right from the get go. And you've got Dan with his own narrative and, uh, kind of story of, you know, not being able to be a ghostbuster really anymore. Right. But obviously being a ghostbuster likely later in the film and assisting and helping out and mm-hmm. showing that he still got it, that kind of redemption arc. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But at the same time too, uh, seeing how these kind of characters have evolved, like we were introduced in afterlife, uh, seeing kind of the new dynamic of Phoebe. Um, it seems like she may be wrestling with a few things in that kind of chess scene. You sure. Know, maybe is Egon back, uh, seeing what she's going through. Uh, also wrestling with kind of possibly Egon, his death, even though he never really knew him or anything. Right. Uh, Trevor. The fact that there's that shot of him in the attic looking at the magazine, they're focusing in on on Harold Ramis, on Egon Spangler. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of curious to see if they're going to kind of touch on that a little bit more so. And at the same time, too, the Spangler dynamic in terms of exactly who was the mother. Yes. I don't think they need to answer that, but the fact that we're back at the firehouse now and there's so much going to be so much talk with these original stars, like or like these original characters, it feels like if anybody would know who it would be, it would be them. You know, it would be Peter. It would be Ray, especially being, you know, going to college and everything with him Mm -hmm. and such. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious if they're going to dive more into that too. Yeah. I, I would like to know the answer to that question. I know it's not important for us to know it, but like, Mm -hmm. I, I would like to sort of get that resolved if for no other reason than everyone who gets upset about, well, Egon would never have left a family or what, like, it would be good to know why, you know, I just think it would be, yeah. but I also think it's a lot to try and jam into a, this movie, <laughs> given mm-hmm. how many people are going to be in it. So I don't know if we'll get it. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're, you're right. That that's something that is sort of a noteworthy thing to consider. And this whole notion of like the Spangler legacy, I think is one that although Egon's not in the movie, like, and Gil has said that explicitly, like this movie does not have Egon Spangler in it, which is why mm-hmm. I really wonder what's going on in the chess scene. Um, you have Walter Peck in the opening mo- moments of the domestic trailer saying the Ghostbusters after 40 years have returned. Right. And who's mm-hmm. leading them, but descendants of Egon Spangler. And so it's like, he's evoking it and pointing to this legacy, which like to, I thought was weird, honestly, when I was to the trailer, cause I'm like, Egon Spengler is basically a dude who looked at you once and said, your mother. <laughs> and, and then it's dumped a bunch of marshmallow crap on you from the sky. I don't really know how much, you know, Egon Spengler. 
but you know, uh, it's kind of, it is going to be kind of interesting to see how the legacy of Egon continues and sort of pays off with the Spangler family. And I'm interested to sort of see too, like what is the dynamic going to be with Paul Rudd? Like he seems to be mm-hmm. fitting in in a way like with Trevor, like in that scene with, you know, it's kind of stupid, but like the peck scene, you have mm-hmm. Paul Rudd saying a dumb thing of just being like overruled as if that makes any sense in the context. Mm-hmm. And then Finn very proudly behind him being like sustained, like he's got his back, you know, and you're like, so what's the relationship going to be between now like Finn or rather keep saying Finn, but rather between Trevor and mm-hmm. uh, Gary, right? They didn't really didn't have a relationship in that last movie. No, no. You know, like that was like his entrance point to the family was Phoebe and podcast. So, you know, what other really important thing I hope we learn by the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. What is that, kid's that real name? Yeah, yeah, I, I assume we'll we'll get that. And I mean, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, podcast. He apparently makes the track in from Somerville to uh, to New York City. I'm I'm assuming maybe that ties up with like the whole like spirits unleashed kind of concept of like maybe having like an ex. What is it like a like a student kind of visit? Yeah, the intern. They said that we'd be coming intern. soon. Right. Yes. In the game, maybe, maybe an intern, something along those lines uh, when it comes to podcast. Um, I'm mean, so excited about them. I, like, I'm not even going to like pretend I'm not like the re- the the potentiality for Logan Kim and Dan Aykroyd shenanigans. Oh, yeah. Is so high. And I'm so excited about it. Like, I really think that this is going to be a situation where Ray is supposed to be mentoring podcast. But podcast mm-hmm. is really mentoring Ray. Like, I really. And- Think it's there, there is that argument I saw from quite a few people like, hey, where's the comedy? First of all, I, f- I feel like both trailers had a good amount of comedy for a two yeah. minute long trailer that sure. also is going to be like the movie is going to be also action based and a little bit of horror. Um, but really, yeah, the the podcast. Uh, Ray Stance kept wanting to call him Danny Aykroyd podcast and Ray Stance dynamic like that, that twosome their moment together in afterlife, that very brief moment is just gold so to imagine that we may get numerous of that especially right. when things start to go down mm-hmm. um yeah I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to that i mean and i think podcast is going to be the reason why there's a line outside of ray's occult like oh yeah it's going to yeah, be I mean, this that's... web show that he starts doing that is going to go viral and be the reason why this kind of goes down and so getting back to that question of like do the ghostbusters do this to themselves it's like yeah kind of but it's also gonna be podcast's fault <laughs> I don't really think yeah. it's going to be his fault, but it's kind of fun I mean, to consider. I mean, if it, if, if maybe, you know, if it's, I, the, the whole Ghostbusters thing, like the whole, like really all the main canon ones, it's just everybody being in the perfect place at the perfect time. Yeah. You know, like, uh, Ghostbusters two, especially the fact that every, after everything that happened in the first one, you've got it where out of everybody out there, it's gotta be Dana Barrett's kid. You know, like how many people are in New York City? It's got to be Dana's kid. Who? Oh, she's working at the museum. Oh, there's the Vigo painting. Oh, Janosch <laughs> now has didn't even know beforehand. But oh, now Janosch has taken a liking to her. Right. Uh, and it just so happens to be the baby that you already tried to abduct Vigo. Like, wow, this is <laughs> so just so random. Um, So, yeah, there's a weird kind of like happenstance. I guess it's. It, just trouble finds them. But yeah, again, I feel like in, in this new one, they're definitely going to be the ones that are 
semi at fault for unleashing this thing, uh, at least from what the trailers kind of make it out to be. But um, that's kind of the Ghostbusters way. Plus, I mean, they've saved the world X amount of times already. They can, they got a freebie. They they, they can cause <laughs> massive destruction here and there. It's fine. Uh, by the end of the movie, I really hope that we get to find out what podcast's name is. I hope that we get some ba- some backstory about where Slimer's been. I hope that we get some explanation about how Walter Peck became, uh, you know, whatever he is, because that way he doesn't feel as shoehorned in. But ultimately, I really hope we get to see an amazing ghost busting battle, battle at the end of this. Like the idea that we're going to have that many people with proton packs and yeah. equipment on in one scene yeah. is got to be like pretty awesome battle. And I say that because like a oh, lot yeah. of ghost busting is not all that dynamic. The car chase no. stuff is, but the actual like standing there with throwers <laughs> is not yeah, that dynamic. You know, point a stick at it. That's what it is. Yeah. Um. The I don't want to say it, and then like for it not to happen, and then people think they're going to be really you know upset over it. Uh, because I'm not. But one thing I would love to see, and with the the final battle clearly being this big epic moment possibly in the firehouse um with that real ghostbusters dynamic i mean afterlife they saved that ray parker jr tune for the end mm-hmm. i feel like it would be so impactful to conjure up that real ghostbusters vibe and you've got it where people are flipping on their proton packs you know you, you're going head to head with garaka and then the instrumental ray parker jr song hits the busting starts you've got the lyrics coming in then uh, I, that's something for me, I would love to see on the big screen. I don't know if we'll get it. it. It's something that I don't know if it translates well to live action. Right. Maybe it's best to, you know, keep it in the animated realm, but man, just, you're those right. Are always my favorite. It would be fun. Yeah, like to get the music yeah. thing, like kicking in that way. Yeah. Like, cause it was, it was how like every real ghostbusters cartoon episode of busting, like the final busting, there might've been other busting in the episode, but it was yeah, not the final no. bust you know you had that cool kind of score music kicking in or you had like tahiti singing their songs in the first couple seasons but the the actual anthem the real ghostbusters theme song i mean that was that you you knew it was coming to an end when you heard that song mm-hmm. you know it was that rift at the beginning you knew that the story wasn't going to play out any longer this was the finale and i would love for them to do that in in firehouse again i don't i don't th- think it i really don't think it's gonna happen no right but i hope it happens it would be cool yeah no i mean you're allowed to pipe dream right like i mean i've been dreaming of a 112 ecto one for years and hey (laughs) probably never gonna see it but you know i you know what i you know my my pipe dream storyline what's that callie spangler's uh mother yeah toaster of slime I know the timelines don't match up. They don't have to. You see, you think that when he was sleeping with it. <laughs> yeah. Put in the toaster. And then the next morning, it just like it popped up and there was a baby. It would be messed up if like that was how the movie resolved. It was like, oh they my God, the, they got to the end and it was like, she could suddenly be like, you're not going to win because I'm part ghost. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> And she just like raises her arms and all of the statues in the city all dismount 
from their pedestals and begin marching with the Statue of Liberty like, she commands us. <laughs> uh, she's part I, slime I, that's the other thing too we, is we did see the Statue of Liberty in the uh, the teaser trailer uh, I am wondering if maybe in the the film we're going to see a quick scene of the Statue of Liberty like frozen like free, over you know yeah. freezing up a bit like the actual all the I mean that would just be a cool shot with like all the water and everything just kind of seeing it kind of mm-hmm. you know, the ice seep to it take it over um, yeah yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be down for that I'm, any, any nods to Ghostbusters too, I'm down for it. Yeah, they're always fun. I'm super excited, as much as I've been a little bit cynical, perhaps, about... I don't think I'm being cynical. I think I'm just being a nitpicky person who worries about things too much, probably. Um, you know, I'm not like, you're like, it's gonna suck. Like, I don't think that's true at all. I just want our characters to get their moments, if that makes sense. You know, like, I want that development. If I'm gonna care about Walter Peck, I want there to be a good reason to. Uh, so... Hopefully we're going to get that backstory, but either way, like we're going to get an awesome movie. Like there's no question in my mind based on these two trailers that we're going to get a great story. Um, we're going to mm-hmm. get a really cool car chase scene, which I'm really excited about because mm-hmm. with that, even when we were originally seeing that get filmed uh, and sort of leaked out a bit back in June uh, because it was shot on a Saturday in broad daylight <laughs> in Midtown, New York City. So everyone who was a tourist pulled out their phones and was like, look. Uh, you know, we knew that was going to happen, but to sort of see it coming together and be composited together as a full also, blown scene is cool. Kudos to Sony for like fixing up that footage because like so much of that was like shot during like the wildfires and everything, right? Like when yeah. the sky of New York was like red. Yep, <laughs> um, and they had smoke like so, it was like muddying up the you know sort of the picture for a lot of things that yeah. were being shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. Maybe we'll see like a little kind of inkling of that somewhere in the full film but i mean sony they, they're they're good at what they do i'm sure yeah i'm sure it's no, gonna mean, look fine I, it's i'm really excited about it and i can't wait to see this movie we're now like we're less than two months away from this thing it's kind of crazy yeah. to think about it but we're really at this point something in the ballpark like seven weeks away from watching this movie mm-hmm. um given that you also know february is a short month so yeah um maybe the next news we'll find out is whether or not people are going to be going to a premiere (laughs) where that's going to be happening or any of those kinds of things since we now know we have trailer i i don't really know that we i think this is it on trailers right like i don't think we should expect we'll have a final trailer like we'll we'll, we'll get a final trailer you think so i mean afterlife had one yeah i i think we'll definitely get you know that one last shot burst um but it's weird though the fact that like to do it to do the your main trailer now but at the same time too like that teaser trailer was not a teaser trailer no it was definitely just a full-blown trailer like that was called the teaser yeah yeah we 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 have three trailers already yeah the fourth will hit i i I figure the fourth one that'll be your your you know your launch trailer probably run a mid minute 30 minute 15 you know have just have a little bit shorter a little sizzle reel um your best shots very quick overarching story of garaka and all that stuff but um, yeah, I think I think we'll get at least one more. Do you want to know? Kind of like, hmm? sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say, just I, I think we're gonna get one more about that, like that week beforehand, uh, just to kind of bring in, uh, you know, grab the grab the attention of the general audience once again, because uh, not everyone is like us that you know, yeah sit here, here and that's discuss fair. the film at length <laughs> for, for two so, hours but to, yeah, to yeah. discuss the the advertising for the film for two hours <laughs> like. 
I think Slimer's going down to the local bodega, you know, like these, yeah. these are things we got to work. You know, the pandemic was really harsh on them. Uh, it's just a bad thing. I don't know if Starbucks ever really went in the firehouse. You know, <laughs> normal people don't have these types no, of conversations. They don't, but that's okay. I appreciate being abnormal and abnormal with you. Cause you're a great person to be abnormal with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you. I, I share that, share that sentiment. And, uh, you know what? I hope they never give Walter Peck any backstory and he ruins the film for you. <laughs> I hope they do give him a backstory, but it's completely nonsensical like that because I've asked for it. It's like, well, after he worked for the EPA, he went into working as an ice cream man. He gave up all oh, yeah. environmentalism whatsoever and he opened a Mr. Softy truck and he used that to help communities. Uh, because he was out doing fundraising opportunities for local schools that were getting 10% kickbacks on all the ice cream he sold. And that built his political capital. And that's what paved his way into the future because he cared about the children and ice cream. Like, that's a ridiculous you know backstory, but. Like, he gets fired from his job at the EPA following the events of the first Ghostbusters. And then we found out that he becomes a roadie for Bobby Brown, <laughs> which gives us our on our own moment, you know. They use some CGI. They have him like on the stage dancing. It's a cutaway. And then you just have Walter Peck, like just angry looking <laughs> behind the scenes. Just I'm going to get those Ghostbusters one day. And then Bobby Brown just, he's up there and he starts singing about Vigo and Ghostbusters. And like Walter Peck loses it, rushes the stage, hits Bobby B, gets fired. <laughs> and then that further, you know, kind of burns the hatred there. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe he owns a vodka company after that. And then like... <laughs> Ray makes his own <laughs> vodka and like puts him out of business. He just hates the Ghostbusters all around. I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. I've he been just doesn't about like movie. them at all. He's like one Man. after I was in the movie or after I, I had this, these dealings with them in 1984, Peter Venkman stole a parking space for me. <laughs> just, yeah, just he's done with him. This is people should like now send in like their worst ideas for the Walter Peck backstory. I will totally appreciate receiving those and sifting through them. It's <laughs> people like he was a Kung Fu master. And <laughs> I mean, you could just act like he was undercut, like he was doing his own thing. He really wasn't on the up and up. And like, he's actually connected in like the diehard saga, right? Like, Hey, I, I was going to say earlier when you said, that, you know, Ghostbusters 2 has the same thing happening to, to, to Dana Barrett. I mean, so does Die Hard, right? Like, that's literally a yeah. moment in Die Hard 2 when, like, with Bonnie Bedelia's character, Holly McLean, is like, why does this always happen to us? <laughs> <laughs> After they've, like, stopped the planes that are, you know, supposed to, from crashing at, uh, was it Dulles or Reagan Airport in that movie or whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? So... Yeah. And in that movie, it's funny you said that we, we kind of mentioned this because that was the movie that I was thinking about of how I don't necessarily want William Atherton to appear. Like the only reason he's in that movie is he happens to book the same flight as Holly McLean at the same time as he has a restraining order from Holly McLean. And his seat oh. just happens to be close enough that he's telling the flight attendants he needs to be moved because of the restraining order. And there's like no reason that any of that should be happening. It well, just is. For the, for the <laughs> record, I mean, there is that additional scene in the, uh, the international trailer yes. where Winston and Peter and the group, they're outside the firehouse, it looks like, and they're talking to media. And you do see William Atherton, Walter Peck there. So I almost feel like, 
I don't want to say it could be like maybe the beginning, maybe the end. I kind of feel like maybe it's a weird ending moment where like this is Walter Peck's redemption. You know, he's waiting for Winston to like stop talking and he's going to approach them and he's sorry and he's going to apologize. And then he's going to hand them like a $800 bill for like the dry cleaning of <laughs> uh, he's been holding on to it for years. And he, you owe him, no. you owe him. He's like, here's all my medical bills for all the chiropractory oh. services I needed. He's holding them accountable and like Peter laughs and he's like, ah, maybe you should talk to my lawyer. And in comes Lewis. Lewis Tully. Lewis Tully. I know he's probably not going to show up by the end of the movie, but I really want him to. I just kind of, if I got one walk on cameo that needed no background explanation at all, that would be it. I'm like, fine. Yeah. I totally do it. He walked in the door at the end of the movie. He was like, hi, Janine, I brought your lunch. Like, and they just left. I'd be like, wow, they got Rick Moranis to come back to New York and do things. And he didn't get punched in the face. That's great. All, all his scene is at the end is just him trying to get through the doors, like at the ending of Ghostbusters 2. Just walks through one, walks through the other, walks through one, walks through the other. That's, that's why it. he's not that's why he's not in the movie. He was trying to get into the firehouse for the entire movie, but he never makes it inside. <laughs> I, as much as I, you know, I offer up my concerns when we do things like this, I am very excited about this movie and I'm excited that we got to talk about it a bunch. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll get to experience it, uh, maybe together at some point. That would be very cool. But if not, we'll yeah, experience yeah, it mean, vicariously I, I, together. I, I, but yeah, you kind of referenced it earlier, but, uh, there's really been no inkling or indication yet from, uh, Sony pictures, ghost core, or anything in terms of premiere if they're going to be doing one in la if they're going to be doing one in new york city um yeah there's really been like no talk of that whatsoever so yeah. hopefully we learn of that i mean we, we should be learning from that in in like the next couple of weeks right like, one would hope we um we don't have that hope. far to go yeah i mean we're seven weeks away so plane tickets are expensive <laughs> they only that, get more that. expensive closer to when you want to fly <laughs> so crying crying in canadian <laughs> hey yeah at least i don't if i want to go and i mean to be fair i have no idea if i'll have an opportunity to go to anything i like i could be like i want to go to a premiere and be like yeah i want a million dollars get fucked <laughs> but like but realistically <laughs> uh you know i don't have to get a passport to go you do you already have a passport i, I imagine i do yeah i do have a passport so I, i'm at least good on that accord so Shouldn't be too much of a headache. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they do something. Um, I'm, I'm craving a slice of New York pizza. So I got to say, if there's one in New York, I'll likely, I'll likely head to that one. Uh, plus with the firehouse, I mean, the fact that you're, you're condemning it, you're saying that it's going to get like eradicated in this film. I didn't I say feel that. like I should, ha- I feel like I should have <laughs> one, at least one last moment with it before well, my mind, okay. my mind thinks of it as being <laughs> to, gone. To be you know? fair. I know, I, I know it's still going to be standing in New York. But I, the exterior I, will be standing in New York. And if you yes. want to see what the interior of the Ghostbusters firehouse might look like while it was being rebuilt after being destroyed, there's a recent video of a guy who actually got inside the L.A. firehouse in the last two weeks <laughs> that I haven't really I talked about in the podcast. I forgot about it. But there's a guy who actually that. made it into the L.A. firehouse and they are in reconstruction mode uh, for after doing lots more work on the flooring, it seems in there and stuff for whatever it's going to become, but clearly not a firehouse anymore. Uh, So, you know, if you want to have that experience, 
You just got to come down to Skid Row. Totally safe. Anybody can go. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? My hat's off to anybody who not only goes down uh, and I don't, I don't want to like sound disrespectful or anything like that. Um, no people that that do live around the area or anything like that, but it is a tough area. It is a rough area. And when I went down to LA last time, I wanted to film some stuff there. And like, I was told directly by three people, do not bring your camera out there. Yeah. Like they, I had a pretty nice camera with me and they were like, under no circumstances, like do this. Don't, don't do this. Um, just, it, it was an unnecessary risk. So that was one area that I, uh, I did sadly scratch off my, uh, <laughs> of the places I, I needed to visit, uh, just because a, I didn't know if I could get a shot inside of the place, which luckily I couldn't. Right. And B, uh, just, just the, the risk involved because it, it is a rough, rough spot. I agree with you. Although I will say that the last time I drove down there, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. When you go down there, the street the firehouse is on is a one-way street. Mm-hmm. And there's a a block that intersects it but does not go through it. So like you can come down the street and you hit the middle of the block you're on, and then you can make a turn onto the one-way street. You can't go straight because there's buildings mm-hmm. in front of you. So I basically came down this middle point road, this intersecting road, and I saw the firehouse. And my brain kind of just went like mush and i turned onto the road and the next thing i heard was the entire neighborhood yelling out wrong way (laughs) and i was like what and i looked up and i was like oh shit i'm literally on the one-way road going in the wrong direction in front of the firehouse oh god (laughs) so thank you skin row residents uh for preventing me from being too stupid to understand which direction to drive uh but i was i was disoriented and i totally in the moment was like there it is it's the firehouse I, maybe hey. I, I don't know if I'm able to get inside, but there it is. And I had totally just fucked it. You know up. what? Even though it's a rough place, they still have rules. It, it's it's glad that it, it's a good thing to know that, you know, even in locations like that, we're not in a state of the purge or anything like no, that. No, it's not Mad Max. You know? No, no. <laughs> there, there are still laws, they know. People still no. drive on the right side of the road, even in the midst of, you know, abject poverty and sadness. So, um, which again, this is not that's not throwing shade on the firehouse at all. But no. I do think it's kind of funny. Like if you want to think about what a firehouse looks like being rebuilt, just head on down and there. I, and I know that's one of the things when it comes to like I mean it's been years too. This the firehouse has been under construction, but one of the biggest things they were kind of mentioning about that is turning it into like a recreation center and kind of you know hoping to maybe like prosper you know, prosper that area up a little bit and kind of you know build it up and uh kind of maybe make a bit of a change in that area and and hopefully it it it, it passes yeah. you know it happens i mean the big there's an extraplasm episode that's from like the first few weeks of extraplasm that's all about this um that i don't remember the name of it might be episode 10 i can't recall but like it was a deep dive on this right and it's this notion that like it was supposed to be a youth arts center but since then all of the kids have moved out of skid row and all the other community services that served kids moved out of skid row because there was not kids in that mm-hmm. environment. And so bringing busing kids into that environment, be like, Hey, let's bring kids down into skid row for field trips. Also doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. That's why it's kind of confusing as to what it will end up being in the end. Cause it probably won't be the original use case that was approved yeah. by the voters. But in the meantime, they are down there working on it. And not that I'm telling people go try and bug workers. If you actually have a hankering to see what that place looks like under a reconstruction, it's active. 
So they're back and they're doing work. And to me, that's exciting because I don't want to see that building go away as much as it's mm-hmm. in a bad spot. It is a piece of history and matters. So um, I hope that we get to uh, see this movie and eat pizza together at some point. Hey. So let's keep that in the, uh, the pile of hopes and dreams. Beyond that, anything else you want to add as we wrap up this episode of Extraplasm? Um, I think really again here, just uh, my excitement level is through the roof, even though you may not you know, find it in my voice right now or hear it in my voice right now. Uh, I'm, I love the two trailers that kind of came out there. Looking forward to seeing what else uh, Ghost Core, Sony Pictures have, has in store in terms of uh, marketing tie-ins because yeah. really this next, these next six, seven weeks, I mean, we're going to see probably quite a few things come out. Uh, I mean, obviously we just kind of had the, uh, the icy leak, uh, icy leak. <laughs> um, so there was that, uh, so Fire yeah, I'm looking subs, forward to baby. that. Oh <laughs> man, man, make that happen. I don't really think there's a firehouse subs tie in, but I absolutely but, think there should be <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you can go in there, you can buy the hook and ladder sub, yes. like, come on now. There's sub is lit. Like there's specialty sub is literally called the hook and ladder. Yeah, so I, I like I like as us as Ghostbuster fans, we're like it's Ghostbusters. Yeah, no, it's like not. It's totally like, fire themed, yeah, yeah. right? But we're like, you know, but it's yeah. hook and ladder. It's not like every fire department has hook and ladder trucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, somebody was a fan of Ghostbusters that named that submarine sandwich. That's what it's true. about. <laughs> yeah. That's the sandwich uh, that they were trying to feed Slimer in Ghostbusters two in the deleted scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. Aside from uh, Frozen Empire stuff, well, I mean, I guess kind of keeping with that. I do want to thank everyone that uh, checked out uh, the kind of coverage that I did, like the reaction, well, thought video and the the breakdown video. Uh, The breakdown video did tremendous numbers for the Ghostbusters News YouTube channel as well. uh, Coming up soon for people that dug the, I mean, we talked a lot about Firehouse, that dug the first part of the 3D printed Ghostbusters Firehouse build that I did. Uh, Part two should be coming out relatively soon as well as pretty much videos, unboxings, all that jazz on like all the Hasbro merch yeah. that I've yet to really get to. Like everything from the Fright Features to the 5 inch uh, I guess Fright Features, whatever they're calling them. The Ecto Stretch Tech figures. Uh, that Slimer with the big old booty that grunts when you grab its tooth. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so all those videos are on the way there uh, probably over the next week or two. So a lot, right a lot of content incoming. Good. Um, I enjoy your content and I love that firehouse you're building and I want one of my own. I think I'm just going to like, let my cat live in it. That's my plan for it. <laughs> it's just like, here, you I, live in this now. It's your condo. But, I, I've got two cats and one of my cats, uh, every single night now sleeps in the bottom floor. <laughs> like there's, there's nothing there. Like it's, it's got a bed that's super soft. It can sleep on my bed, super soft. It can sleep on the couch. It's got a, you know, hammock in the window, but it chooses the hard PLA print with ridges on it. Very much like the original Kenner firehouse. Right. And the funny thing is too, is in the front of the firehouse, I've got the AMC popcorn, Ecto-1 popcorn bucket. Yeah, yeah. So like it's fighting for space behind the (laughs) Ecto-1. But every single night it lays there for like three or four hours. So... I'm going to be, I've, I've thought about when this thing is finished, how I'm going to display it. And I feel like, you know what, I'm going to likely have to build a second and I may just turn it into a full, full blown cat house. 
not put the floors in. Right. Just add an extra side to it. And here's your cat house. Yeah, man. It looks like hook and ladder. That's what I want. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. I'm like, I want that. I want it. So I can be like, hey, cool. You're hanging out in my office. Great. Go in your apartment. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of that come together. Um, and obviously all the content you're doing, you're doing a great job of covering everything that's been coming out and being on top of all the news. And we like, we didn't talk about the motocross thing cause I forgot about it earlier, but like you've had so much going on the last couple of weeks of content as the movie ramps up. So, um, keep busting your butt at that cause you're doing a great job of covering keep everything. Busting my butt. Yeah. It's like, it's like always keep on busting, but instead it's like work hard. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keep busting your meat. I don't even know what you're talking about. Keep busting your butt. I don't know that that's what I'm saying, but you know, you've, you've been, you have been working hard and I appreciate that you have been on top of everything going on and keeping everybody up to date and, uh, you know, keep it up. You're doing amazing work. Everybody, of course, should be following you at Ghostbusters News on all of the social medias, except for on X, where your account is not called Ghostbusters News and is instead called, what is it? Like GBnews.com? GB News. It's too long for X. Yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, Ghostbusters news. Is, it's a long name. It's a horrible name. And the problem, too, is that, you know, there's also like an actual uh, GB news out there. Great Britain news <laughs> that, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like uh, they, they may have uh, a slightly better handle on, on that name than, than, than what I, I do, kind of so. hope that they get emails from people who are like, hey, Jason, <laughs> I wanted to share with you this thing about Slimer. And then it goes to the great. The greatest thing that happens to me, man, is when I get tagged in like stuff about like, what is it? The Brexit it's called. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not over there. Uh, or like crazy happenings over in the UK, uh, you know, rounding back to back to pandemic, like COVID and stuff like that. I was getting stuff like weekly on Twitter of like, or X, uh, getting incorrectly just like tagged of like, Oh, this is the new thing that just passed and all this stuff and everything like that. And it was just great to reply, just like random stuff. Like, I think you have the wrong account. And then just like, just having you know, an image of Slimer, you know, going towards him or what have you, just sending him a random Bill Murray video or that's what have great. you. Um, yeah. I earned a few followers like that. So that's good. <laughs> well, whether you're tuning in because you want information about Great Britain or Ghostbusters, gbnews.com on x <laughs> ghostbusters news everywhere else yeah make, make sure you're saying ghostbusters news yeah okay there we go <laughs> gbnews.com uh that's the whole handle gbnews.com right C-O-M. you have yeah. to literally like it's a website yeah, not, i used to go to called slash dot dot org where <laughs> yeah we're not we're not telling you to actually type in gbnews.com right don't do that type in ghostbustersnews.com and your browser but on X, hey. go to gbnews.com on X. <laughs> you know, there's a search feature. They can just type in Ghostbusters. It really could. It'll recommend me. Yeah, like I'll pop up on X. It's, it's fine. Okay. Don't worry about it. It's it's a long podcast and we're just making it longer. We're good at it. Look at look at the for my logo with the, the goofy ghost face. Yeah, it's frozen. He's over. newscaster. He looks like a Muppet. He's frozen, though. So be careful. Like a frozen Muppet. <laughs> uh on that note, I want to thank you, of course, for coming on the podcast and joining us as usual, because when you come on, it's always fun and you always contribute a lot and share a lot uh, with, you know, the community. So thanks for that. Thanks for all the hard work you do over at Ghostbusters News. And um, we hope to check in with you again real soon as we get just seven weeks away from this movie. So thanks again, Jason. 
Hi, thank you for having me. Always. Um, thanks again, and we'll talk to you again soon. That about wraps things up on an XL-sized episode of Extraplasm. I want to say thank you once again to Jason Fitzsimmons for coming on the show and joining me and sort of pulling apart the two trailers that came out uh, this week, breaking down the headlines, and, you know, speculating about what it is that we're going to see in this upcoming movie, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, uh, which we're now just about, you know, seven weeks away from. So um, thank you again to Jason. If you're not following him on social media, by all means, go and do that because Jason has tons of content that is coming out literally every day of the week about Ghostbusters. Uh, and it's one of the most valuable sources on the internet in terms of the fandom. Beyond that, I want to say thank you as usual to Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who provides our logo and visual identity for the podcast as well as Vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of Ghostbusters serves as our theme music every week. And of course, uh, this is the part of the podcast where I thank you uh, for listening, for tuning in. Uh, it's been really exciting to hear from folks as the trailers have dropped and to get speculation from people who are like, hey, this is what I think I saw. If you have things you want to share with me as you're breaking down the trailer, uh, you know, insights that you've got, or you just want to tell me about things that are going on with your franchise, with your group, whatever, of course, you can reach out to me at Extraplasm on social media on Instagram and X. Uh, via email, you can reach me at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, over on Facebook, you can search for Extraplasm Podcast. And of course, the YouTube channel, uh, where there's a recent review of the Phantasm Toys Viggy figures, is available at youtube.com slash at extraplasm. Uh, so feel free to go check those places out. And, you know, if you've got something to share, by all means, be in touch. Uh, in the meantime, we've got about seven weeks to count down until we get where we're going. So... Uh, while we wait, make sure you do, as Ernie Hudson says every week. Try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. <laughs>